I've always pushed back against the idea of like, well, you didn't play the game, so you shouldn't be able to talk about it. But when it comes to that type of stuff, you you don't know how hard it was for him to get to where he got and to stay in the NBA as long as he did. Like, you can't call that man a scrub. <laughs> you need a couple more seconds at the end there. <laughs> need a couple more seconds. So, thank you all for uh, spending your weekend, your Tuesday morning with us here at KTSC Avenue uh, podcast. We are a double gated community filled with Negroes that are wild and on the loose. And Blacks? I didn't know it was black people here. Wait a minute. I'd definitely be on that Grey Goose. Um, but yeah, how's everybody doing today? I have, of course, um, the artist formerly known as Marcus Sniffles, as well as the fabulous Rev Run and your resident NBA analyst expert. Adolphus Savage. Woo! I completely forgot about that. I can, I don't know why, but I literally just forgot that that's what's about to happen today. Damn. How's everybody doing today? You guys uh, been catching up on the games this weekend? I have not actually. <laughs> I have no clue what's going on. I I watch. Uh, up to like the third quarter of the Lakers Warriors play in game, and I have not seen a single basketball since then. I've spent the better part of two and a half days in a car. <laughs> yeah, all the uh 10 o'clock games I have not checked in on, like uh, Portland and Denver. I think was the NBA has got to stop the 10 o'clock games, like I know it's. I know it's seven in California on the West Coast, but like I cannot watch a basketball game at ten. I can't either. It's way too late. Yeah, but I mean that's that's kind of what happens when like a lot of your premier teams are on like the West Coast. So uh, hopefully the next round, because um, I'm I'm assuming well either the Lakers or Phoenix are going to be in the next round, and either Denver and Portland. So there's going to be there's still going to be some West Coast teams. But hopefully they can move those start times up because there's not going to be as many games. Like, there's a lot of games on. Like, I've been watching basketball since 12, and it's 9 o'clock. And I think there's yeah, one, more one more game after this. Uh, yeah, Memphis Utah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not watching that. Uh, Donovan Mitchell is not playing. And uh, I'm old and washed, so I cannot stay up that late. So let me ask you this. With, uh, I know that. You know, with Rev, you haven't been able to catch up on most of the action, but just with everything that you know, who are you anticipating uh, so far as far as a finals matchup? The NBA finals. I mean, I think that for me, at least, obvious answer is I'd like to see Lakers Nets. Um, but honestly, I can't. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like the Nets have the best chance to come out of the East, even though Marcus thinks that it's the Heat. Um, and thank God that Twitter kind of suspended so he can't say that to others. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I don't. to me, the Nets are the favorite to come out of the East. Um, I don't want to say that I don't want to see the Lakers in the finals because, I mean, if the Lakers go, then, you know, great. But I don't know. I just rather – I like to see new blood in the NBA finals. But – Again, who's like, say if it is Utah, if Utah makes it to the NBA Finals, who's going to watch that? For ratings and interesting storylines and, you know, at least four to six games that I'm going to watch on a, you know, 
of every other night basis, I think the Lakers and the Nets are for, for me. Okay, and just in case you guys didn't know, I'm going to go to you, Marcus, next. But the Lakers, uh, Disney, I mean, wait, a Disney and La Mickey was twinning on Twitter, so you already know uh, what happened today with the uh, Suns pulling out a miraculous victory over the Lakers. But, um, yeah, they still have good chances. So, Marcus, what, what are your thoughts? Who do you think is going to? make it to the finals. I know we're just not even a full slate of first round games in. We still have one more, well, one and a quarter more to go. But who do you think is going to come out of the East and the West? Um, It's hard not to pick against the Nets, even though I'm going to try my hardest to keep picking the Heat to advance, even though we lost game one on some bullshit. But um, yeah, the, when the Nets are cooking, the Nets are pretty hard to stop. Like, even in that first half of that first game against the Celtics, like, KD was a little bit short on a lot of his shots. James Harden wasn't really as aggressive as he normally is. But then in the third quarter, all three of them just turned it on, and you just can't stop. You can maybe slow them down, but you can't stop all three of those guys. So it's going to be hard to keep them out of the finals. Um, the West is pretty hard, honestly. Honestly, I, I I do not know who's going to come out of the West. I think whoever whoever wins out of this Lakers Suns round, I think they go to the finals because the Suns are a really really good team. Like they have they have Chris Paul, who's uh, he can pretty much do it all as a point guard, and Devin Booker really showed out today too. So um, I would probably go with Nets in Phoenix or Lakers, one of those two teams. I'd love to see Chris Paul play in an NBA Finals. Um, because I'd love to see Chris Paul get a uh, a ring. Um, I think if he gets a ring, then Chris Paul maybe considers, you know, kind of making his, you know, farewell tour a little sooner than later. So I'd love to see Chris Paul. Yeah, he just gets hurt though. He got hurt today, and I was like, damn, Chris Paul at it again. You know, like he gets hurt in every playoff he plays in. So I'm glad he was able to come back and still be able to play well. But that's the problem with Chris Paul is like, yeah, you're he's not. He's not reliable, and it's not like it's a thing that he can control. And I don't want to say he's unreliable. He's just unlucky when it comes to injuries. Yeah, he's made of plastic spoons. <laughs> I know for me, I actually believe in the East, whoever wins this Bucks heat series is going to be the team that represents the East. And I just have a feeling it's going to be the Bucks this time. I think the oh, Bucks. Wow. I mean, I think the Heat, the Heat are a really good team. They're going to be good for a long time. Um, they have that grinded-out pace type of game. They, they really are in great shape. Um, so it, it, it could be close either way, but I think it's finally going to be the Bucks' time. It's, it's either now or never for the Bucs. Um, in the West, it's really hard to bet against L.A., the, the Lakers. And we've seen a bit of a chink in their armor. Anthony Davis did not play very good today. That's why they're calling him a Disney, you know, cartoon <laughs> character. People reluctantly compared him to Kwame a little bit, you know, and other players that don't play as well, which we'll talk on later. But they, they said excellent screens, though, because I don't want the smoke. I'm just saying. I don't understand this whole a Disney and Lit Mickey. What, what, what are we doing here with that? Like, why are they doing that? I mean, he was outplayed by by uh, DeAndre Ayton big time. And I don't know. I think you, you just know how this stuff goes, man. Twitter is, is the land of the jokes. P- 
people have been waiting to clown these guys like for a long time. And so AD, a Disney, that's that's kind of clever, you know, LaMickey, pretty good matchup. So I, I, I'm, I'm kind of a little bit of a Laker hater in a, in a sense because I'm going to reveal my new favorite team that I'm going to stick with from here on out. But I, I just – I don't want – like today, did you see the play that actually caused the, the fight in the game where Chris Paul is boxing LeBron out, and he does, like, just the silliest flop, and he falls on the ground, and he's holding his shoulder. Granted, now, Chris Paul went out earlier with a shoulder injury, but, you know, he can't have his moment. moment. LeBron, the thief, has to steal it. Now he – he falls gingerly on his shoulder, and it's it's split in two. And he's holding it, and he's writhing in pain. And he's rolling all over the floor. And I'm just like, bro, like, you make it so easy for people to just not like you. Like, I respect him as a player, but I definitely don't want to see them come out of the West. Um, if all things were right in the world, I would have picked Denver. I really like Denver a lot. But in this case, I'm actually going to go with the Clippers because it's the same thing with them. I know they lost game one to the Nuggets, uh, the great white messiah, uh, Luka Doncic. But I feel like it's now or never. Pandemic P is going to have to step up. Uh, Kawhi seems to be in that zone. So I'm going with Milwaukee versus the Clippers for the title with um, Milwaukee getting the dub. I mean, I can't, I can't dispute that scene as you're the new uh, NBA expert here, so I can't really. Got all the the odds. I mean, like if you would have bet on that Wizards thing, probably. My goodness. We could invest in Dogecoin or something. Facts. You know what? Speaking of that, speaking of that, I'm not gonna sit here and cap like they got lucky. They went on a real (laughs) hot streak. Because I remember Marcus hitting me up saying, hey, man, you want to go ahead and buy the jersey now? And I'm just like, nah, you know what? I just, I think they can bounce back. I don't know. <laughs> like, well, that's but the beauty they, they did that thing. I was really, oh, go because, ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's the beauty of the, the play-in tournament. Because without that, then we, we wouldn't get to see that from the Wizards. Um, well, that, that, that's what happened with the, the Grizzlies. Because the yeah. Grizzlies were like the 90. I think the Wizards actually finished at the 8 seed. So, like, without the playing game, I think the Wizards are just in without anything. But either way, like, I think if Westbrook and Beal play a majority of the games, like, they get in no problem. I think the Hawks just won this game. There's, like, 0.9 seconds left and Trey on to see the shot. So, anyway, I think if there's not a play-in game, I think the the um, Wizards get in no problem. But I don't know, man. I hope they keep this playing around. I, I like it. I like the whole. I like that Lakers Warriors game. I like the idea of like if you're if you're the ten seed, you're not out of it. You're not sitting your players. Or if you're like a one or two seed, you're kind of like trying to position yourself. Okay, do I want to play these seven or eight, nine, ten seeds down here? Like, do I do I like these matchups? Maybe I want to drop down to the third seed. You know, like it. Like your season isn't over until you're like complete. Like you have to be pretty much done done. But if you're the ten seed. Your season's not done. You're still in it, and I and I like the I like a lot of people like the uh, NCAA model where it's like you got one game for your season, and I like the the playing game is what that is essentially for um, at least one team. Yeah, that's true. Um, I, I maybe I missed a portion of like the explanation. I didn't get why the Warriors played the Lakers, lost to the Lakers, and then was able to play the Grizzlies again. So if the 
seven and eight seed play each other. Right. The loser or the winner gets the seven seed. Mm-hmm. The loser plays the winner of the nine and ten seed game. Okay. I thought that I thought that was what was going on, but I needed to be sure. Yeah. Then they lost. So whoever, the game. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So whoever loses that nine, if you lose, if you're in the nine ten seed, if you lose that game, then you're done. But if you're right. in that seven eight seed and you lose, you got one more game. Right. 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 Okay. Cool. I mean, and yeah. to speak on that for the the Warriors specifically, um, I did see a bit of discourse about like, oh, when LeBron does a thing, then it's lucky if Steph can carry a team to the playoffs or to the play in, um, um, then you know he's he's a dog and he he got his team to fight. I mean, kind of. Nobody expected the Warriors to be in this position at the end of the season. I did not. So I what. Stephen Curry has been able to do with this season. So what he was, what he was able to do with the season was great. But at the same, I think two things can be true. What Steph Curry did was great. And what LeBron did in those closing moments to shoot over Stephen Curry was also great. Uh, I don't know what LeBron's three point percentage is. I do know that the majority of the time that I've seen LeBron take those shots that were not in crunch time. So just the three is not very good at it. His His crunch time three point percentage is pretty good. And it makes me wonder with the time that we have left with LeBron in the NBA, do players start to defend that shot a little differently from LeBron? Because it seems like a gimme a lot of times. Um, so I'm wondering, you know, with the next, you know, two, three seasons we may have with LeBron, are, are players going to start respecting him, you know, from that range in crunch yeah, time? At this point, you have to. If you're not respecting LeBron's three, then you're kind of asking to just, like, let him bury you from back there. Like, I mean, he's not Steph Curry, obviously, but... He's a consistent three-pointer at this point in his career. Like, that's what you do when you get older. You start uh, hitting shots from further and further away from the basket, you know. And, uh, I mean, I I thought it was impressive what the Warriors did. And, honestly, if I was, like, Steve Kerr, or the owner of that team, once um, that rookie went down, Wiseman, once he went down, I'd have shut that thing down. I'd have been like, all right, Steph, you can go ahead and plan that vacation. You got a hamstring problem. So, uh, you're going to go ahead and go home for the rest of the season. We're going to try out. All these, whoever's young, all our G League guys, we're bringing them up. We're going to see who's good, who can stick around. And we're going to try to, you know, get another high lottery pick and try to maybe package that for another player or just draft somebody. But I'm, and it's it's hard with, with people like this because they're super competitive. They want to at least try because like, like we said, the Grizzlies were the nine or 10 seed and they're, they're in the playoffs right now. So their season could go any way right now. They're playing against a team without their best player. Mm-hmm. So obviously you tell the you tell these guys that like hey there's still a chance we're going to keep trying like that's what they do, but if I'm like the general manager, I'm looking at that roster. I'm like this is not a championship roster. Like Steph Curry is a championship player, but I want to save some of those miles. I want to save those legs a little bit. I want I want to save what little of Draymond Green I have left. So those two guys, y'all got hamstrings, y'all got migraines, y'all got something. Y'all are done for the year. We're tanking this thing and we're gonna try it again next year. And we'll get we'll get Clay Thompson back. We'll have Wiseman back. You know, we'll have another lottery pick, or we'll use that lottery pick to get someone else. But like the Warriors as a as a team, as a franchise, they're not done. Like it kind of seemed like they were out of here, but if Seth Curry plays like this next year and they get Clay back, like that's a top two, three seed right there, easily. My second question is, how dirty do you think Draymond Green's fingernails are? Jesus Christ, man. 
Draymond is the worst. <laughs> he is an absolute worst. Man, how do you how do you not hit the rim on a layup? Like he just completely missed everything. I was just I was so mad because I wanted to see playoff Steph. I wanted to see what he could do. I wanted to strengthen my argument as Steph Curry being the greatest sport guard ever. Draymond Green blew it. Freaking <laughs> <can> blew it. <laughs> So on that note, I would like to go ahead and make this announcement. So I've really been thinking about this. I've been trying to find an NBA team for years now. And I I really just dug deep and I watched that game, the Lakers and the Warriors. And to me, it was probably the best game of the year. Like I was really on the edge of my seat. And I just went back and I remembered like Steph Curry at Davidson. And like when I really just, I thought it was going to be a Nick, but Golden State took him. And secretly, I was like Monte Ellis is from Mississippi. I'm from Mississippi, so I always cheer for him. I've always liked the Warriors, but when they really took off, I didn't want to seem like a bandwagon fan. So now I am officially a Warriors fan. We are locked in. That is going to be my team. Um, I'm no longer going to be a, a, a fan person, uh, just a player fan. I'm going to lock in to Golden State and what they do. Um, so that's going to be the team that I choose. Um, I was disappointed that they're not in. Like I was looking forward to playoff Steph, but it's good that Memphis is in because John Moran is is more than likely going to be one of the future uh, cornerstones of the NBA. It's good to see him in there. The same way with the Hawks, the same way with the Knicks. Like, I mean, I know I was actually a little mad that the Knicks actually lost, but you know, Trey Young is another cornerstone. You got Luca who won. He's a cornerstone. It's kind of good to get this next generation of guys in there. I wish Zion would get in there too because, you know, I don't get to watch Zion often, but when I do, he is a superstar. Like if he doesn't get hurt and they could get something going in New Orleans, he's a good player. I, I, I like I like where the NBA is going. It's definitely a treat to be able to watch LeBron. And honestly, I don't see anybody that's going to be on that level anytime soon. Like, you guys were right when you talked about casually watching him in a regular game. He's bricking threes and doing all this. But believe it or not, in the crunch time, like, he does have a higher game winning percentage and more game winners than Jordan and some of the greats of all time. Like, it's a reason why he's some people's GOAT, why he is a GOAT, like, it's Definitely. all narrative stuff. It's narrative stuff. It's like it's just it's people like Skip Bayless who are just like LeBron isn't clutch. Like I don't know how. Like I don't understand how. There's no way you're still in business. Unlock in Game Seven of the 2016 NBA Finals or what? 17, 2017 NBA Finals. No, whatever that NBA Finals was, where he chased down a block. It was a chase down block in like the final seconds of the game. And they ended up coming back from 3-1. I think that might have been the 2016 NBA. Yeah, it's 2016. But, like, even – you can go way back before that. Go back to when he was with Cleveland the first time against the Detroit Pistons in the Eastern Conference Finals where it was just, like, he scored, like, 20 of the last 21 points by himself. And this was, like, back when, like, niggas was fouling, fouling. Like, this was Detroit Pistons, you know what I'm saying? Like, you come into the paint, you're going to die type stuff. Like – he scored pretty much every point down the stretch outside of a free throw. And people want to question if the guy is clutch or not. And it just, are you watching him play or not? Like, do we appreciate him or not? And it, it goes back to what people, all these fake people said after Kobe Bryant passed. It was like, you know what? 
you know, we got to respect our legends while they're here. Let's just enjoy the game. Let's just appreciate them. Let's not do this Kobe versus Jordan, Kobe versus LeBron, KD versus LeBron, Steph versus whoever. Let's not do that. Let's just appreciate greatness. And then, like, a week later, it was Kobe wouldn't do that. Kobe ain't out here flopping like that. You know, LeBron uh, wouldn't do that. He He's better than Kobe. It's, it, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Same thing happened when, you know, Chadwick Boseman passed. And it was like, oh, we're going to be nice to people. We don't know what people are going through. And then Shorty called Issa Ray ugly like two days ago. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I was going to bring that up. <laughs> Issa Ray didn't even do nothing. Issa Ray was at home probably reading the script. And Shorty was like, you know who <laughs> Issa Ray. You know who's out of track? That girl was actually on my timeline. And I'm not going to lie, I've considered just blocking her because she's been on a rampage for the past two weeks trying to get her YouTube views up. Like just talking noise about everything. She came on the timeline and she was like, Yeah, if men were masked uh, because of the pandemic, they're gay, you know, and just. Just stirring the pot. She was talking about like a woman's place is in the kitchen. You need to let a man be a man, blah, blah. I agree with that. And then here's the, oh God, that's why you were suspended. But <laughs> shout out to Shaka. And the views of Marcus, of the artist formerly known as Marcus Sniffles, do not correlate with uh, the KTSC Avenue podcast. Just a quick disclaimer we love our women. Shout out to all the beautiful black queens. But first of all, it's a raid is one of the most beautiful women in the world. Like she is fine, like just fine. She, she her skin is flawless. She has a beautiful smile. And you get this girl that that's just a troll and I get it. You know like to to me you do have to have tough skin, but some stuff is unwarranted. Like why would you go out of your way to say someone's unattractive? Just you know go on about your business like you're, you and your life are so small and insignificant to this person, but you go out of your way. And then I seen where every, because it's a Ray attacked her back. And then every post where people were attacking her, oh, see what else I have to say on my YouTube. See what else I have to say on my YouTube. See what else I have to say on my YouTube. And just battling people all day, trying to get those YouTube views up. And it's like, look, uh, what's her name? Auntie, Auntie Pussy Headmaster or something like that. Actually, now that that's in my mind. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's something. Something she needs to be suspended to. But you're trying that hard to insult people to get views. It's like, and then when people are like, "Well, you kind of look like her," then oh yeah, that's my twin. And blah blah blah, and trying to get it this way. And then I seen today, like maybe 20 minutes before the podcast came, she was like, "Yeah, I went to the mall." And I was expecting people to come up to me about how I went viral. And I know she's probably joking, but it's like, is she really joking or are you delusional? Like everything about your Twitter stuff, your handle, your Abby, everything like that is for attention. You know, your auntie pussy headmaster. Now you're Issa Rae's cousin at the cookout. You know, you're this, you're that. Like, come on, man. We need to we need to get rid of that stuff in 2021. Like, for real. What are y'all's thoughts on that? Did y'all even see that? Like at all? Yeah, I saw the tweet. Um, I my only thoughts on that is that very simply, when you were lame in real life and nobody cared about what you got going on in real life, then you get on the internet and you create personas where you not you less lame and then you got like eight thousand niggas that's like oh yeah you're not that lame and so like it just it's like a slow pressure cooker of like how far can i push this envelope because in my real life 
I'm so insignificant and so small that I get to create this whole new person on this thing that doesn't exist once I close my phone. And I, it's just like, you know, trolling is one thing, you know, having a little harmless fun is one thing, but the unwarranted conversations are another. And I just, I wish that collectively we would all, A, and I'm not gonna, act, I say we, because I often engage in these things and I have to be better about stopping. Um, but I wish that collectively we would ignore these people and like not give them an audience because like now you lame in both lives, like the life you created and the life that you actually have to go live. Like when you get off the internet from calling Issa Rae ugly and getting her attention, you have to go sit at that desk at the call center and answer people's phones and be cussed out all day. <laughs> and I'm so sorry that you don't get enough attention in your real life that this is what you have to do on the internet. But I beg you to get some friends. All Everybody who do that, like I beg you to get some friends. These celebrity niggas do not care. They are rich. That nigga damn sin Idris is not going to answer when you keep telling him that, you know, he can stop being a hoe. Just, like, leave these people alone. Talk to the people you know. You know, have a couple, a, a laugh every once in a while. But in general, leave these niggas alone. Because you look weird when all you do is tweet celebrities and call them names. Yeah, one day you're going to get the attention you're looking for. And you're not going to like it. That's always a possibility. Um, just stop being weird on the internet. It's It's not that hard. Just stop being weird. Like... Don't be mean to people for just like no reason at all. Like it's just retweet some likes or it's not real life. It's not currency in any type of way. Like you can't take those likes and get into a club that night, I guess. Yeah. And, my, and now she changed her name to Issa Rae Fat Twin. But I kind of agree with you. Like to an extent, us as black people, we have all kind of issues going on in our community without degrading one, one another uh, for clout. So do better, you know, and with those people, like, I'm going to go ahead and hit the hit the block on her. And yeah, I just blocked to muted her. Yeah. I I'll also add that it's, again, it's, so some things are funny. Like, I've seen Issa, since she's just a topic now, I've seen Issa interact with things that are actually funny about her. Because she has a, a pretty good sense of humor, like, I know I've personally been watching Issa Rae be hilarious and Issa Rae herself has gotten, you know, she said funny things about people here and there. So if a thing is funny, then it's funny. But there's there's not that thin of a line between funny and just rude. Like you logging into Twitter and calling a person ugly for no reason at all. (laughs) Nobody solicited this opinion. You just decided to call her ugly. That's rude. Making a joke, that's not a joke, but that is that is not harmless fun. That is, you got on here and critiqued this woman's looks, and for what? What did you gain from it? That would be my, like, what did you gain from this? Some niggas asking you a question, you respond with your YouTube link, and then you only get 250 views. Like, come on, what are we doing? It's kids that open Legos for a living, they get more than 250 views. Do that yeah. instead. It's definitely not worth it. So we as people, we do need to do a better job at, um, you know, protecting ourselves and, you know, watching out for our brand and different things like that. So I kind of wanted to kind of go forward with the um, the next subject that I will say we will do, which would be, well, actually, Marcus had an opinion on recasting T'Challa. Um, and I was kind of interested to see what exactly did you want to speak on about that? So what are your thoughts on T'Challa, the Black Panther? Um, I just I just saw a conversation kind of, this was a while ago when I was back on Twitter, 
Uh, I saw like a conversation going on about uh, people are saying that it is se- <laughs> it is sexist to recast T'Challa because we don't want to see Shuri be Black Panther. Like we don't want to see her carry the mantle uh, from T'Challa. And that's, I, I know I'm pretty big on the whole of recasting T'Challa and, and um, letting someone else play that role. And it's not because like, I don't want Shuri to be the Black Panther because like I've, I've done a little bit of research not research, but I, I know some of the things that happen with the Black Panther. Like I know that other people can be Black Panther. Like obviously, uh, Black Panther's dad was a Black Panther before. T'Challa was a Black Panther, and I know that Shuri in the future becomes Black Panther. I just don't see how it would make sense for them. I found this on the web. To, what the fuck? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I guess uh, Bill Gates is listening to me. Uh, I just don't know how it's possible for um, that story to continue. Like, I don't know how you can get from where we are in in T'Challa's journey to getting to Shuri being Black Panther without there being a T'Challa somewhere in there to pass on that mantle. Like, someone has to do it. It just can't be we show up and then Shuri's T'Challa or Shuri is Black Panther. There has to be some sort of transition. There has to be some sort of growth. There has to be something that happens with her that some journey that she has to go through, some type of growth as a character. Because in Black Panther, like she was in Black Panther, but she was more of like a sidekick, like doing the gadgets type deal, like not really in the spotlight. In Infinity War, it was kind of the same thing. In Endgame, she was barely in that thing. So it's like... We haven't seen a lot from her. So for them to come out with a second movie and it just be like, all right, you know what? She's to, she's Black Panther now. It just doesn't it doesn't work story wise. And I know that um, from Endgame, Chadwick Boseman had signed on to be Black Panther for three more movies. So that's Black Panther 2, probably another uh, Avengers team up type movie. And then probably shows up in, you know, maybe Fantastic Four or X-Men or something down the line. So they I, they had a story. They had an idea of what they wanted to do. And then he passed. And now it's like, why are we scrapping this entire story that you guys had planned? Why are we just throwing this whole plan out of the window? Like, I get it out of respect for him. But I feel like it's disrespectful to just be like, all right, Chad was gone. That means T'Challa's gone, too. Get him out of here. No more T'Challa. Like that doesn't sit right with me, honestly, and it doesn't doesn't feel right. Um. So I've had different sort of conflicting feelings on it. Um, I've heard like a, a couple different perspectives. Um. I I a agree that with people who say that the Black Panther mantle can be worn by anyone. That is true. Um. I think the only the biggest reason I should say that I was, I am, or I don't know where I am on the issue, but why I would say recast T'Challa um, is like you said, I feel like T'Challa had a, a story arc to complete. Um, I don't feel like he ever got to complete an arc. So I would like to see him complete the arc at some point. Um, but 
I saw I've seen people say that oh kids need you know need another hero to look at look up to you know T'Challa was that and I do agree that children love T'Challa like kids absolutely love T'Challa I think that had a lot to do with just Chadwick being you know a, a regal soft presence at the same time like he did a lot with children in general um, but I don't think that you know Shuri taking the place as Black Panther would prevent kids from seeing that um, I just. I don't know if I want T'Challa recast it right away. So I, um, I think that Ryan Coogler is capable of writing Black Panther 2 in a way that allows us to ease in between who has the Black Panther mantle and kind of hopefully make that cohesive. And maybe in like, I don't know, five, ten years, the same way they do Batman, a Batman dies or a Batman just decides, oh, I don't want to be Batman anymore. You know, the actor that plays them, I don't want to be Batman anymore. They just reboot the series with another Batman. I think that I hope that one day we can get T'Challa in another form. Um, but I can't agree with people who say, like, you, we don't need T'Challa for the Black Panther mantle to continue or for children to have someone to look up to because Black Panther, the movie, opened them up to a ton of different role models minus Wakabi. Um, no child should look up to Wakabi, not right now at least. Um, <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I straddle the fence because on the one hand, I, I uh, Letitia, you know, despite her internet shortcomings, I think Le- Letitia is a capable actress to carry the Black Panther mantle for, you know, two, three movies going forward. Um, yeah. I, I just have a lot of love for T'Challa, the character, and I would hate to see him be gone forever. So I do hope that one day we can circle back and have another T'Challa. I agree with you on that in a sense. I'm kind of on the fence as well. Um, when it first happened, um, when Chadwick first passed away, and we first had brought this up on the podcast, my emotions were, I was kind of speaking off of emotions, but the more and more I speak and think about it, the movie came out in 2018, the original. Chadwick passed away in 2020. And I mean, when did Endgame come out in 19? Okay, so and then Black Panther right. 2 is supposed to be in 2022 or is it 2023? 2022. Yeah. I think that that's a, that'll be three years since seeing him. I could see if they did a film where they were doing other missions, kind of like how we seen the, the uh, damn, I'm about to mess their name up, but how we seen the, is it, what is it, the Millage or what is it? Dora Millage. The Dora Milaje, how we kind of seen them in uh, Cap and Winter Soldier. Like if you do stuff like that with Shuri um, and maybe have something else going on and then maybe in three you recast T'Challa, I could deal with that. Maybe if you're looking at three coming out in 2024 or 2025, it would be kind of soon, but I don't think that you can not explain his arc and not tie in Storm and, and do the things that have to be done. And I, I I mean, I don't know what Chadwick's wishes would have been. I don't know him personally, but I just feel like if I was in that position, I would kind of want the show to still go on, you know, because I'll be honest with y'all, like I have a lot of friends, like different races, ages, all kind of stuff. And to see the little black kids, the little black boys finally having a hero to look up to. And I understand that, you know, it's just superheroes. It's not real. And you should look up to your parents and other positive people in your neighborhood. But Black Panther meant a lot to them. 
uh, I know personally um, an Asian boy who you couldn't tell him he wasn't the Black Panther. I know Indian kids that dressed up as the Black Panther. I know Spanish kids that wanted to be the Black Panther. Like the fact that you had an, a hero and not to mention Shuri too, because there was a lot of girls that would dress up as Adora Milaje and would dress up as Shuri. So that whole movie just meant so much. And it, it's bigger than Chadwick. It's, it's bigger than Ryan Coogler. It's, it means a lot to the culture. And I just kind of feel like he would probably want the show to go on. Like find a quality actor. Even if you have to delay it another year, do so, or even two. But I do feel like we need to complete this arc and we we should let the story be told. And I don't I don't think fans and more importantly, I don't think black people are going to be like against it. You know how like every every few years, whenever they announce a new Batman or new James Bond, everybody's always negative. It's always like, well, why do you think Daniel Craig would be a good James Bond? He's trash. And then you see the first movie and it's like, oh, he's good at this. You know, you see Ben Affleck is cast as Batman. It's like, oh, he he's trash. He's not going to be good. And he's actually good at it. Same thing with the uh, uh, Twilight dude. Oh, he's going to be trash at Batman. And I'm pretty sure he'll be fine in his Batman movie. But like, if they come out and they're just like, hey, uh, you know what? We've recast T'Challa. It's going to be John David Washington. Black people aren't going to be like, oh, my God, this movie's going to be trash. I don't like him as an actor, blah, blah, blah. We're, if anything, we are going to support this movie even more because we want it to be successful, because we want these movies to keep getting made. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're not going to trash, and even if it's someone else, even if it's just some unknown actor. I feel like as a community, black people are going to be like, hey, you know what? We're not going to let this this movie flop. We're going to support this movie. We're going to support this actor. We're going to support all the actors. And we're going to make sure this movie is just as successful as the first one. And again, I am not against Shuri being Black Panther. Because like at the end of the day, that's where the story goes. The story ends. No, it doesn't end. But part of the, the arc of the Wakandans is Shuri being the Black Panther. So at some point it has to get passed on to her, but I, and I, and I, and I, tr I trust Kugler. I trust um, Feige. I trust the MCU. I trust all them, all them people in that building to make a capable Black Panther 2, even if they don't recast T'Challa. I just think that whatever they had planned before Chadwick died, that vision needs to be continued because they're, they plan stuff years in advance. Like they have an idea of where they want to take this character, where they wanted to take him, what they wanted to do, and what was going to happen next. I just, I just don't think there was any reason for him to just for them to just be like, you know, what, we're just going to scrap all this and the entire. There's a possibility of the entire universe maybe falling apart and not being as strong as it could have been. Yeah. Yeah, I, like I said, I, I I really wish that we would have been able to see a complete T'Challa arc, or maybe even just a semi-complete, a more complete T'Challa arc in Black Panther, the first Black Panther, and maybe we did. Um, I don't know. I again, I've said this so many times. I have a little bit in hindsight. I love the movie, but in hindsight, I have a little bit of an issue with how more of the focus was put on Killmonger, and he was treated as the main character. Whereas T'Challa and T'Challa's issues and T'Challa's growth were kind of, you know, a B story in a movie that is about him. Um, so I, I do wish that we would have seen a little bit more of T'Challa's arc. I think if maybe if we would have got something that felt like a loop, 
like a loop that was maybe starting a second loop, I think we would have been a little bit more at peace with Black Panther 2, but because we didn't do that, and we've only really had T'Challa as a, you know, character, standalone character once. Any other time we've seen him, he was part of the ensemble in Civil War, he was part of the, part of the ensemble in Infinity War for a little while, um, very small part of the ensemble in Endgame. So it would have been nice to have him again. Um, and I hope that the decision to recast him, while it may not be immediate, I hope that they maybe reconsider in a couple years and maybe we get T'Challa, you know, in a different universe, an alternate timeline, or maybe we just get a younger T'Challa or I don't know. But I, I, I would love to see T'Challa back. I mean, we don't, again, we don't lose the Joker just because, you know, Heath Ledger is gone. We just get Joaquin Phoenix. Wouldn't that uh, seem silly? <laughs> yeah, so... I mean, I hope we see T'Challa again in some form. I do. Agree with you on that. I think that we we deserve to see T'Challa again, um, just at some point. And as far as with the with the Shuri character, like I think with her ultimately getting the mantle, it would be good. But I don't think that she was featured enough at all. So it would seem just a bit odd if she. I mean, we know the circumstances in real life, but like you're right. Um, Michael B. Jordan's character, Killmonger, was the A story. Um, her story would be like the C or D story. Like, to be honest with you, like, she just wasn't really featured. I don't know much about her at all. And then to just all of a sudden put the movie and make it all about her, it may be a bit too much of a, ch of a change. I think she's capable of it. I would love it if, if she was, but... I would always feel like, well, dang, you know, I wonder what could have happened or what would have happened. I know I heard that Heath Ledger's character was supposed to be in Dark Knight Rises. He was supposed to be yep. one of the people that escaped from the prison. It would have been a small portion, but of course they had to nix the idea. But, um, you know, it, it's it's unfortunate the way things that happen. I know I'm glad that the Bring Back Killmonger as the Black Panther talk kind of died because that didn't make any sense. But um, I, mean, I would have been, been I would have been fine. I would have been fine if they would have brought back if they would have recasted Joker in the third Batman movie to kind of close the loop and kind of like take the end the story the way they wanted to. Like if it's going to be a small bit part, cast just cast somebody for the role. People aren't going to boycott a movie because you recast a role and someone passed away. It's not. I don't think that's. And, and, and I'm not like a, a movie historian, but I don't think that's a thing that happens where if someone passes away, like if it's something that you created, like wrote, directed, like it's your art and then you die. Like I get them being like, hey, we're just not going to touch this because this is his or her. Like create, like we're not recasting uh, Issa on Insecure. You know what I'm saying? Like she doesn't get recast because that's her character. She created that. She wrote that. Like, that is her. So you can't recast Issa as anybody else. But, like, Joker is belongs to DC. Everybody, a lot of people have played Joker in the past, and plenty of people will play Joker in the future. And it's the same thing with Spider-Man. It's the same thing with uh, T'Challa, Black Panther. Same thing with Joker. Same thing with, like, at 20 years from now. The Crow as well. Someone is someone else is going to play Spy or someone else is going to play Iron Man if they decide to do this again. Someone else is going to play Captain America again. Someone else is going to play Batman again. 
all these characters get recycled. So why why waste? I don't want to say waste time, but you know why even go through all that? Just I mean, and that that point is perfect because it reminded me of the movie The Crow, which I know is a, like way much lesser movie. Um, Bruce Lee's son died while the film was filming. They replaced him. They still shot another film. They didn't think twice about it. Um, even Fast and the Furious, Paul Walker passed away. He he was definitely the main character. If he wasn't the one A, he was the one B. They got his brother to play, you know, the last little bit, and then they just wrote him off and kept it moving. Like, you know, if you got a good franchise, unfortunately, people are gonna pass away. People are gonna get old as well and not be physically able to do some of these roles. And the show must go on. I just I'm going to be really interested to see how they pull this off and do it. Um, I would imagine in Black Panther 2, and this is just like early bit, they explain T'Challa's absence in some way, and the way they explain it will probably determine, will help us determine how they see T'Challa as a character going forward. If they explain it as a funeral early in the film, then they probably, you know, will nix the idea of another T'Challa. If they explain it as a a complication from the blip or because uh, I think they've been exploring the blip a lot and it would be nice to somebody mentioned on Tumblr. I think that there are not enough lasting comp- complications from the blip, like uh, which I won't get into because that'll create a tangent. But if they if they explain it away as something from the a complication from the blip or just that T'Challa left and he's gone for a little while, you know, it depends on how they explain it to see the trajectory of T'Challa. But however they explain it, I hope that they would follow it up with a good backstory for Shuri. We know more about Shuri. We learn more about her gadgets. Um, is Shuri, I, in the comics, uh, Ramonda is not T'Challa's birth mother. She's Shuri's birth mother, though. I don't know if they get into that. But there needs to be some type of backstory for Shuri. Shuri going through grief. Shuri has to start another arc. Because... I won't say it's going to be tough to get to endure people to Shuri, but I will think it, I do think it'll be a little bit difficult for people to see Shuri as the Black Panther right away. So I think they'll need to spend some time exploring her and her grief and just how she gets to the journey of Black Panther. So that by the end of the film, we're like, okay, Shuri's our new Black Panther. Let's get ready for Black Panther three, four, blah, 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 blah. Disney Plus is right there. You can do a quick little five to six episodes. Hey, what? what was going on during the blip or whatever, or what happened, do a little prequel before Black Panther 2 so we can kind of dive in to her as a character yeah, and really understand like what she's been going through, what she's going through. So when we, cause people that have Disney plus are the type of people that go see Marvel movies the day it comes out. So there, you if they put out a, a short little four episode, this is about Shuri for Black Panther, people are going to watch it. Everybody's gonna watch it, and then they'll go see Black Panther too. So it's yeah. almost like a little prequel, a little, little something to get you ready. So when you go, so when you show up to the theater, you understand, you know, why she's the way she is, why she's doing the things that she's doing, why T'Challa maybe is there or not there, whatever they're doing. You have a little bit more of an understanding. So I think yeah. that's what Disney Plus should be used for. I don't think there's gonna be difficulty. I want to make that clear. I don't think, and not that you confuse me about for other people listening. I don't think there will be difficulty endearing an audience to Shuri. People love Shuri. Shuri has great one-liners. She's hilarious. We know that Shuri is smart. She's possibly smarter than Bruce Banner. They kind of toyed with that a little bit in Infinity War. Like, we love Shuri. I think the work will come in 
seeing Shuri as a capable warrior. And not because she's a woman or not because she's young, but just because we haven't seen Shuri fight. She's a computer person. Right. It'll take a little while to see Shuri as a warrior. And I think we need that journey, whether it be in a little prequel series or whether it be in the film. I know I would need I need to see Shuri in combat because every other time I've seen Shuri in combat, she's kind of had the aid of her tech. And maybe that's part of her Black Panther uh, backstory. We don't know. But I'd love to see something that kind of like, oh, Shuri's a warrior. Well, it, even to that point, it would make more sense for someone in the door of Malaysia to be like, you know what, I'm going to do this. Because you've seen what they can do. You know that yeah. they're about that action. You know maybe, someone steps to them, it's a, it's a wrap. <laughs> maybe we get that struggle. You know, maybe we get yeah. you know, a bunch of different people in the movie like, oh, I'll take the mantle. Maybe we see M'Baku try to take the mantle because he would be, you know, that he he's tried to be Black Panther before he went during... Uh, challenge day so maybe we see a power struggle for the mantle and we see you know one of those classic training montages for shuri and we're like oh no shuri's ready to be the warrior we get to the end of the movie this is our black panther and then we need a whole media push behind shuri which i think is a complication oh, of we don't nah. get media pushes but we need a media push behind shuri like twitter twitter will get that thing going yeah so well, not, me, not me but you know, the rest of y'all so in speaking about the Black Panther, someone in the comments wanted us to discuss the real Black Panther of the week. Um, and I know earlier we were talking kind of about bullying and that would have been a better transition. So I apologize. Um, but <laughs> there is an NBA player that has, has been called all sorts of names for over 20 years now. Dean won the biggest draft bust in history all the spotlight on him being drafted by your idol, never really living up to the hype. I mean, he had a serviceable career, but Kwame came with that Draco this week, and he he caught some bodies, and he is still catching bodies. So in case you didn't know, there's a, a podcast, All of the Smoke, where they had Gilbert Arenas on, uh, Agent Zero, who's a very talented basketball player. And he kind of he just kind of brought up his time in Washington and brought up a little bit of Kwame and you had Stephen Jackson and you had uh, Becky with the good hair, aka Matt Barnes. And Matt Barnes said some stuff that was kind of he was being a bit sarcastic. I didn't think it was I didn't think it warranted all of this, but for whatever reason, this brought out the beast. This brought out the Black Panther. This brought out the seven foot one, 260 pound Georgia, Brunswick, Georgia bred nightmare. And he took bodies all week long. Stephen A. He went after Matt Barnes. He said a little bit of something about Gilbert Arenas. He just caught a body, he caught a stray. Um, Stephen Jackson. Um, I, I can't even recall the other people. He has just been going on and on and on and delivering excellent content. Like I would have never thought that he even had it in him because to be honest, I've never even heard him talk before, like at all. But he's given us a lot of great content for the week. And I just wanted to kind of just touch on some things with them. Um, one of the things being, you know, the bullying. He was explaining the story of how essentially when he was drafted by the Wizards, they would make him practice against vets three hours before games. They would beat him up. Uh, Charles Oakley and him, had, you know, kind of got into it. He threatened to 
fight the kid who's only 18 and different stuff like that. And when I really think about it, some things, they kind of touch close to home in a sense, because he was saying, if a normal person had went through what he goes through, I mean, think about it. You're 18 years old and you're 28 years old and now you're 38 years old and you're a millionaire. You have earned over $65 million. You played over 10 years in the NBA. You were a number one overall pick, uh, a dynamic athlete. You put your mama in a home. You know, you, you're just living your life down there in Brunswick now, chilling, doing your thing. You're a millionaire on your farm. But I couldn't imagine constantly being called a bust. Like, I don't know how many years he's been out of the league, but people are still ragging on him. And like the only person I can think of that they rag on more than him is probably Tiago splitter. <laughs> and I don't even think that's very close. I think he gets it more, but what is, what are your thoughts on everything that, that went on on all the smoke, everything that has basically been the coming out party for Kwame Brown. I'll start with you, Marcus. Have you been tuning in and what are your thoughts? I mean, I get it. Like it's, he's been riding on for a long time. Like 20 years is a long time for people to be calling you, saying you ain't shit, you suck, blah, blah, blah. And you're just like, you look around at your life and you look back at your career and like, was his career great? No. But like he was drafted by the Wizards. Like the Wizards have been bad for a very long time. That's why I was so confident about them not making the playoffs because they're not a good team. They're not a well-run franchise. So like anybody who was drafted in that position to that team, probably would have had the same type of results. But he played in the NBA for 12. I didn't realize that. He played for 12 years in the NBA. You don't stay in the league for 12 years, and you're just just completely and utterly trash. Like, you have to have some type of value to stay in the NBA for that long. Even if you're just a bench player, you still have some type of value. So you play in the league for 12 years. You make over $60 million. Your parents, your mom's straight. You're straight. Your kids are. I don't know if he has kids. Your kids are straight. Uh, your YouTube channel has now got a big boost. Like you've gotten a lot of. Like I went. I went to his YouTube channel. I scrolled all the way. I think he started maybe like two or three years ago. I scrolled all the way to the bottom to see like you know what were his views like, like five hundred views for like that first video. Maybe a high end of like a thousand on a good day. Now he's getting like you know, 50,000, 500,000, 600, like he's getting a lot more views now. So like people are questioning like, well, why don't you just go on the podcast? And it's like, why would I go on that podcast? I have my own YouTube channel. I'm not going to go there and make them money. I'm going to make myself some money on YouTube because my YouTube channel has been trash lately and now it's popping. So now I'm just going to give you guys my opinion on every and anything. And you can't cancel him because he don't work for nobody. <laughs> what you going to do? Kick, kick him off of YouTube? Like, whatever. He can say whatever he wants. And I'm here for it. Like, I, I get, like, it, it. at some point, it's time for, like, a lot of these, like, I saw a video of, I think it was, it was Stephen A., Skip Bayless, and Jalen Rose talking about him. And this was, like, back when he was still in the league. And St Stephen A. and Skip Bayless were like, yeah, that dude is a scrub. And, like, Jalen Rose was like, okay, he's a scrub compared to, like, Shaq. Yeah. But, like, we don't really understand how hard it is to get in the NBA, to be a professional basketball player, like how many people you have to go through 
to get to how many you we don't understand how many people fail like it takes a you it's what's it like you have to be the top one percent of the top one percent to get to the nba like you're not a scrub and to stay in there for 10 plus years you're not a scrub man and that and we gotta I'm, I've I've always pushed back against the idea of like, well, you didn't play the game, so you shouldn't be able to talk about it. But when it comes to that type of stuff, you you don't know how hard it was for him to get to where he got and to stay in the NBA as long as he did. Like you can't call that man a scrub. He's not Shaq. He's not an All Star. He's not a you know a guy you want to lead your team. But he's not a he's he wasn't a scrub. He did. So what he had I to just do. before I go to Rev, I just want to say something real quick, and this will lead right into you. So. There is a famous player on your favorite team, Brian Scalabrini, and he got a lot of this treatment too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I've seen him absolutely destroy regular people in the gym to show people that, hey, you might not be the best in the NBA, but I got some skills. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts on everything? Yeah, I mean, it does suck to – for people who may not know Kwame Brown or like know the jokes, you know, there's always the oh, you know, we took Kwame Brown to the playoffs or whatever. I mean, it may seem random to some people, but like you said, 20 years of constant random niggas that work at like Wells Fargo as a bank teller telling you that you were an awful player and you're not good and you aren't worth anything. Like, it's like when you're getting roasted in a circle and it's like you've been taking a good roasting for a strong five minutes, but then the nigga on the left laugh a little too hard and it's like, don't make me get on you. So it's like, you know, Kwame was finally like, all right, let's go ahead and put this to bed. I'm ready to talk and I got a lot to say. And, you know, do I, I'm not going to say I don't agree, but I mean, do I feel like, you know, the internet is the best place to handle it? I mean, it's the place that it was brought to, sure. Um... But I don't know. I don't. I don't feel. I don't. I don't blame Kwame Brown. I don't blame him because any any other person being constantly berated by nameless faces and usernames with random numbers behind them uh, would react the same way. So I don't blame Kwame Brown. And a lot of us need to stop telling NBA NBA players that they trash. This man played for twelve years. If he ever saw you in a pickup game, it's over for you. I don't care if he hasn't touched a basketball. Since the day he walked away from the NBA, it's over for you. So, you know, shout out to Quan Brown. I hope he can parlay this into something more lucrative if he wants to. But if not, I'm glad he got stuff off his chest. But this is what I like about social media area now is like players can now speak out and they can talk Mm -hmm. back. Like Kwame Brown, maybe back then, well, obviously he couldn't because Twitter and Facebook weren't around back then like they are now. They weren't as prominent. So he didn't feel like he could come out and say certain things or talk about whatever was going on with him. But now it's just like, if you'd say, if you talk crazy to a player now, they're liable to come back at you. And I, and I think it's some of that, you know, you know, uh, pros versus Joe's type of thing. We are just like, Oh, I, I could take him. Like you see them on TV and you see them not playing well, but it's like, okay. He's not maybe. playing well. To, Cause you know, he's not playing well. Cause you're also watching Michael Jordan, or you're also watching Kobe yeah. Bryant in the same game. So yes, if you compare these two things, they that's like you know one of Beyonce's dancer. Like, oh, she not dancing like Beyonce, but I'm pretty sure if you saw her in a battle, yeah, you're you not want, on that level. <laughs> you don't want that smoke. And like Brian Scalabrini is six nine. 
like Brian Scalabrini would be the tallest person you've probably ever met in your life. You've never met anybody the that tall before. white, red-haired man you've ever seen. <laughs> yes, and he will bust your ass on the court. Like, right. I don't know how old he is right now, but he would still bust your ass because he's 6'9". To the LA Fitness, and dudes will be like, oh, that's that's Scalabrini. I'm, I think I could, you know, go against him in a game of 21. And now you look up and you're down 20. You've scored no baskets. Everything you've put up in the air has either missed or been swatted away. And Brian mm-hmm. Scalabrini is about to put that last point on your head. And you're realizing, oh, snap, this nigga that played me is good. <laughs> this was a mistake. And we, we, we've seen that video where, like, I think it was it was, it was actually uh, Bow Wow challenged Kobe Bryant to a one-on-one game. And I'm like, Kobe Bryant is 6'6". Six, six. Bow Wow's like 5'4". Like, what are you thinking, bro? Like, he's like, no, man, I can take you. I can take you. Like, no. But that's what that is what an average person would look like against an NBA player. Yes. You're not beating these guys. You're not, you're not beating the women. As if either. you were, you know where you'd be <laughs> in the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> you're not beating pro. You wouldn't have to prove to us on the internet. You would be getting paid an NBA salary, or be on a bench somewhere. You're <laughs> not. You you might not even score a point. Like dead ass. Like Brian Scalabrini is locking your ass up, and you're not scoring a point. How do you not score only. against someone that's six nine? You're not scoring a point. You're not catching a rebound. Your assist, your pass is getting broken up, so no assist for you. You're getting winded three trips up and down the court because these games are a lot faster than they look on TV. Like, you you just don't play in the NBA, and we all have our strengths, and that's not one of yours. Mm -hmm. So I need you to leave Seth Curry alone. I need you to stop tweeting Quinn Cook. Like, all these dudes you don't see play that often, like, they still – I need you to stop tweeting WNBA players because they also will give you a cool 15 and 10 seconds. Like, I need y'all to leave people alone. Like, tweet the other nigga that work at Target. Maybe you can bag yes. him, but you're not beating these WNBA and these NBA players. Tweet, tweet, tweet the guys that you work with, not <laughs> not, not these people. Like, uh, Brianna Stewart for my Seattle uh, – not Sonics. What team is it? Seattle. Seattle. Damn, I forgot the name of the team. Seattle Storm. Storm, yeah. The Seattle Storm, she will bust your ass. I've, I've watched her play. She's very skilled, and she will bust your ass. She's She's huge. Have you seen Brianna Stewart? Yes. huge. (laughs) She will bust your ass in the post. (laughs) You will do nothing. (laughs) Nothing. So So actually, interesting story. I I had a guy that played at NC A&T or whatever that's, like, kind of near where I'm at, like, in the area. He was just at our local gym, and um, he freaking slaughtered us. Like, it, like... I've played basketball against South Breeze before. I'm a very physical player to be. Well, I guess I'm not short, but I'm short to be a forward. Um, and this guy was about my height. He was a guard. And he like he was just he did not miss a shot. He was on fire. Like he he just could do no wrong. Like I had to foul him just to finally get him to like slow down. Like he was so fast. And it wasn't even – I think he knew he could dunk on us at, at will, but it was just – okay, first of all, I didn't lose. I was winded and I was out of shape. But I've challenged you plenty of times in plenty of places, whether we meet up in Florida, Atlanta, wherever you live now, whenever you want to smoke, just call it out. But back to my story. This dude was a – I don't even – what are they, like FCS or something? I know they're like an HBCU, but they're not D1. And he, in a game of 21, he cooked us all. Like, 
fried bacon, eggs, toast with extra butter. He was cooking us. And I was like, dang, you know, you sit there and disrespect these players, but they are really good. And some of these players, like in real life, this is all they do. Like they two, three hours a day, they're out there in the gym, they're out there running, they're out there doing what they need to do. They're putting up shots. You know, you read about your Kobe Bryant's putting up a thousand baskets a day, not not a thousand points. He's doing a thousand baskets, a thousand reps of shots. Like these people are machines. This is what they do. They will cook you good. Like leave these NBA niggas alone. Like I mean, again, this goes back to the earlier conversation of Issa Rae. There are funny things that happen. And, yes, if you make a blunder during a game, it's probably going to become a meme. But please do not seriously tweet these niggas and ask them for a game of 21 because I promise you, you are about to bring shame on your family name. So you should just stop. Leave these niggas alone. (laughs) And you know what? This is a a very interesting point. So since we have someone in the comments, some white person named G-Money, I got to bet for you, Cracker. How about this? You meet me in Atlanta. We'll play a one-on-one game to 21. Now, you know what? We'll get 11 because I know you've gotten older. I've gotten older. The winner has to wear a Tebow jersey. They have to purchase (laughs) it and wear a Tebow jersey for Tebow mania. And they're going to change their profile picture for a full year. How about that? Since you're so good at basketball with your 5'7 ass, why don't you take that bet? I would like to quickly retract the statement. I said, leave these NBA niggas alone. Leave these professional athletes alone. But you can absolutely treat Tim Tebow and tell him that he is not a good tight end. If you <laughs> want to do that, I am making a concession. Until it's <laughs> Well, yeah, you better you better get your tweets in on Tebow while you can, because uh, he's not going to make the team. <laughs> He will be gone at the end of the preseason. He'll I don't know what's in Tim Tebow's head, but that's like me waking up and being like, you know, gymnastics. I want to do that. <laughs> Facts. Like, I just want to try it. Just like they really, <laughs> someone said that they're treating Tim Tebow like a make a wish kid. Like he just out here doing whatever he wants to do. Like, oh, I want to try to be a quarterback. Oh, I want to try to play baseball. Oh, I want to be a commentator. Now I want to play tight end. Like, what else do you want to do, Timothy? You want to do something that like you want to be on The Bachelor? Because I feel like that's right around the corner. Might be a better fit for Tim Tebow, honestly. Because tight end ain't it. Like I'm looking at all the tight ends, and I'm like, it's Travis Kelsey, there's Rob Gronkowski, like these huge specimen of men, and then there's Timothy Tebow. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even looking at like the high end tight ends. I'm looking at the people on the Jaguars trying to make the team. Like if you're on defense and you're trying to make the team, and you see that guy lined up against you. And he just, you know, got a chance because of he just because he knows the coach and you had to bust your ass at that position to get here. Oh, I'm trying to bust his ass in public. I'm trying to destroy him. I'm about to scramble. (laughs) Preseason games. I'm telling I'm telling you, watch these preseason games. Watch how they watch how the opposition treats Tim Tebow. They're going to go extra hard on this man. They're going to try to destroy his life because you think you think you can just come down in the trenches. Like, cause that's what the tight end is. The tight end is in the trenches. You gotta block people. You gotta block those DNs and linebackers. You think you could take almost what five to ten years off of professional football? And you think you can just show up and block me? I'm going to blow you up. I'm going to 
embarrass you so bad that they take you out of the game because you are that bad. It's going to get. It's he is not making this team. I don't. He's not going to make it. He's he going to make this team. I, just, I, I told you in the group chat why he's making the team. He needs three games to collect that pension check for life. He's going to make the team. He's going to get those three games. Then he'll be, you know, a healthy scratch every week. It's going to happen. Uh, with Tebow, when you – okay, he's about 6'2 and a half, maybe 6'3. He's 34 years old. When he was 21, he ran a 4'7". Yikes. Yikes. Which is not that bad, but he doesn't look like a 4-7 guy. He's not a He's not quick guy. at all. And the thing is, with all the highlights that they show, you never see him running over people in the NFL. And that's what I t- t- uh, not tweeted. That's what I texted in the group chat. Like I was like, people are acting like he's the level of athlete of a Peyton Hillis. Like Peyton Hillis was a 4-5 guy. He was strong as an ox. He was a little bit heavier than what Tebow is. He had played the position of H-back and running back for years. I mean, he didn't run over people for for long, but that's what people act like Tebow is. Like he's Mike Allstott with hands or something like that. He's not that. He's not a matchup nightmare. Um, He's not even tall enough to play the position. Uh, When it comes to blocking me, I've played on the line before at one point. It is about effort. It's about being nasty. He may have that in him, but I doubt it. You know, you're 33 years old, 34. He's our age. He's my age, you know. It's been a a while since Uh, he got hit. (laughs) The last time I played football, I stepped in a hole, and I honestly think I tore my ACL. Like, my knee never was the same again. (laughs) You know, I tried to play with the neighborhood kids. I hurt my back. Like, you know, I came home. I think I tore a quad. Like, I was hurt. My groin was hurt. I probably damn tore it off the bone. Like, I understand I'm, I've never been the athlete that Tebow is. And I understand he, he prepares and stuff like that. But when you're in your 30s, it's a different beast. Like, you know, if I walk up the stairs too many times, I need to get an ice pack, you know. And he hasn't played in the NFL for like 10 years. He hasn't been out there. He hasn't been getting around. Hit and just be like, no, I don't want to do this no more. It's only what it's going to be like tackle for him to be like, never mind. Like who was that player again? Um, what was his name? It was Vernon Davis's little brother that just he played. He was playing for Buffalo, and he just said, I don't want to do this no uh, more. Monte Davis. (laughs) He just left. He was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. I've never played football before, but I've ran into things. And I can tell you, running into a stationary object is enough to make me be like, I don't never want no 300-pound man running at me at full speed. Aaron Donald, if you ever hit me, (laughs) you're going to jail. (laughs) And like Marcus said, like this – People are going to have an extra chip on their shoulder. Like, I forgot the player from the Steelers that was like, I can't wait to play the Jaguars just, just because of this. They, they're going to have a chip on their shoulder. Like, to if he's in the game, they're going to want to knock him out. Granted, me as a Jaguar fan, it's great for us because we're getting all kind of publicity. He has the number one selling, uh, top five selling items in the league. Uh, for the NFL shop.com. So, 
you know, I can see why they did it. It's definitely bringing eyes to the product. He doesn't deserve to make the team. He probably just gets in on the technicality, and this will be his last year playing, and he'll ride off into the sunset. Probably be like an NFL commentator or something. Or you never know. But if he wants to do it, he'll do it. Like Tebow's, Tebow's one of those people. He can just do whatever he wants. He could literally just like play offense. And then when the defense is on the field, he can just go up to the booth and commentate. Like they would probably let him do that because, like, it's Tebow. Why not? Whatever. But he just definitely white privilege. I was about to say the beauty of being a white man. Well, I kind of got something for that. But the the idea that uh, like that he can just come in and just do that job is just like, or no, no, no. the the idea that the Jaguars feel like they need to do this, like, because at the end of the day, this is a publicity stunt, and publicity stunts stunts are things done by losers. You know what I'm saying? Like, winning franchises don't do publicity stunts. They just get good players and play well and win. You know? So the idea that the Jaguars drafted, they had the number one overall pick, and they drafted a kid that plays quarterback that's supposed to be the best quarterback since, like, Andrew Luck, who's won championships, been a Heisman contender, plays in the SEC, which is like a big thing in that area, and you still feel the need to do this to sell tickets and to sell jerseys? Like, is Trevor Lawrence not enough? He's not enough of a big name. Oh, oh, Urban Meyer, who was a legend in Florida, isn't enough to get people to go see your games? You got to sign someone who hasn't played football in 10 years? If I'm Trevor Lawrence, man, hey, in seven years, I can't wait to ask for that trade. After I sign my extension, yeah, get me out of here. Get Hopefully it doesn't come to that. It's a bad look for the Jaguars. I'm sorry. It like, is. I'm not, because I don't like, I'm not – and uh, it's a bad look because it's like I, I'm one of those people like I want to see – I don't want – even though it hurt, it would hurt me for Trevor Lawrence to be good, I don't want to see Trevor Lawrence get wasted. I don't like to see great talent get wasted, which is why I'm against the draft. Like I want to see Trevor Lawrence have a chance to succeed. And if this is how they're going to start out by doing publicity stunts and like, okay, we haven't, we didn't talk about this, but why the, why the fuck would you draft a running back in the first round when the year before you had a running back go for a thousand yards and he wasn't even drafted? It makes no sense. That's dumb. That's why you don't draft running backs that high. Cause you had a guy that was undrafted that was producing for you. Find another position to fill. Get another receiver. Get a defensive end. Get a cornerback. Get an offensive lineman to protect your quarterback. Do something. But drafting a running back when you literally had a running back that was undrafted get you a thousand yards. That makes me want to kill myself. <laughs> like Jesus. You know it's hard to even defend any of that. So I I have no comment. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go Jags. <laughs> anyway, moving forward. So we're going to talk about something that has been uh, blazing up the charts. But honestly, it, it's been a week since J. Cole dropped his uh, project offseason. And this week, I wasn't really hearing as much about it. So I just kind of, I guess we're going to go like by review. And what are you guys' thoughts on that album? Um, now that the hype has died down a little bit, uh, Marcus, you're the music man. What are your thoughts on the offseason? I, like 
I like that. I like the offseason. Every time I listen to it, I enjoy it. Um, I like some of the production. The uh, the bars and the lyrics are there. They it's J Cole um, on some of these songs at his like really really at his best. Um, and this kind of uh, project kind of emphasized like how good of a, a storyteller J Cole is. And um, yeah, it's a really good album. I like I like it every time I listen to it. I'm just like you know what this was. It's enjoyable. It's, it's not like super long and droning, um, but you know I'm not going to say anything negative about J Cole, so I'm going to keep it at that. He he's too busy playing professional basketball to hear this. <laughs> I will say I did I did like his uh, I did like his rollout for this album. His his rollout is is like Chef's Kiss, great. Like to to put out a um a decent single we'll call it decent the interlude was a pretty solid single and then to uh drop the documentary which i watched i enjoyed that i thought that was pretty cool and i think the next day he had a slam magazine cover then announced that he was going to be playing um professional basketball and then he did like a podcast with uh, kevin durant which i listened to which was pretty good so I was like, yeah, he's trying to keep his name out there. So I think he's doing a he's doing a good job keeping his name out there because like every every time he plays a game, like they're showing his highlights on ESPN and Bleacher Report and all that stuff. So you kind of see that. Single. Yeah, he's I'm not gonna say he's 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 a pretty oh. okay basketball player <laughs> for where he is. He's just, he's a, I listened to the album when it came out. Um, and I will say that, and it probably, so I'll say that I was not, uh, wild when I first listened to it, but my caveat was that it was 8am and I should have given myself time to wake up and be a person before I tried to give it a listen because I listened to it a second time. I was like, Oh no, I do enjoy this. So I think the grogginess got in the way of my first impression, but yeah, I mean, I come to expect great things from J. Cole. So I think he, he delivered on what was promised quote unquote promise. Um I like you mentioned, Marcus, the documentary. Um J. Cole's team in general is really good with visuals. The documentaries are always, you know, they've got this like gritty feel. Everything that J. Cole do does, it feels like you're climbing the mountain with J. Cole. There's only been one project that felt like J. Cole was like un he that felt like he was maybe at a mountaintop or just like unattainable as a rapper on like the Jay-Z level. Um, to me, that was Born Center where he was getting into like, you know, his his attempt at rich raps. Like you get to Born Center and you're like, oh, this is a nigga that like feels like he's made it. But then he comes back with, you know, 2014, Four Seal Drive. He's got Four Your Eyes Only, which is commonly looked over. Um, but these are all albums that feel very gritty. So I think that Off Season was just another um uh, another notch in that very like every man's man j cole persona but he does a really good job of having that persona but also reminding niggas immediately like but you can't rap with me like we may feel like equals but you can't rap with me and i like that balance um i i wonder if the off season is really a prelude to cole's final project like whatever we get from cole next is it for cole he goes to be a father and you know little league basketball coach or something like that i, I wonder what's next i uh i can't currently imagine the landscape without j cole 
especially a landscape right now that's still waiting on a Drake album that was promised, uh, what, January? We're still February, waiting. I think. Almost June. We're still waiting on the Drake album. We haven't, we don't know what's going on with Kendrick. All we know is he's being a family man right now. So I don't know. I, I struggle to think of a, a rap lam- landscape that is without J. Cole voluntarily. Um, but yeah, at the off season as a project, I enjoy. Um, Amari is probably one of my favorite songs off of it so far. Um, and I enjoy the visual with Amari. Um, and you mentioned that, you know, it was really hot last week and then we haven't heard anything about it this week. That's just the cycle of the internet. The internet doesn't hold on to things for long. They may still be listening to it or they may not, but the internet doesn't hold on to things for long. Cause that same day, Beam Me Up Scotty came out. So there's like, you know, the barbs treating about seeing green and, you know, Itty Bitty, Itty Bitty Piggy being Song of the Summer, and then Turkulator just came out this past Friday. Like, the cycle of the internet is so quick that we often, you know, forget what we were just talking about 10 minutes ago. So. Well, I think it's that's kind of what's been one of the, I guess, the few positives of me not being on Twitter anymore is being able to listen to this album without any type of, like, I don't want to say expectations, but I don't, I don't see the things that people are already saying about the album before I get a chance to listen to it. Um, like I'm not seeing the, you know, as soon as I wake up and I'm checking Twitter, I'm not seeing like, Oh, this is a classic. This is the best album of 2021. Or, you know, this shit is mid, this shit is trash. Oh, there's a verse from little baby on here. Uh, is that Cameron on here? Like I didn't get any of that. I just got to go into the album blind without any type of uh, anything, any type of information. And like the first time I listened to it, the first voice you hear on there is Cameron. I'm like, oh, whoa, what? What are we doing here? Like, I was very surprised by that. And then you get Lil John at the end, and I was like, what the fuck is happening right now? Like, I and you you don't get that feeling if you're listening to the album while on Twitter because that's you're it's you're getting spoilers. You know, it's like it's like you're watching you're going into the movie theater to see Endgame, and people have already seen it and they're tweeting about it and like. Oh, Iron Man dies at the end of this? Oh, okay. Like, I'm going to sit here for another two and a half hours knowing that? Like, eh, all right. Like, that 21 Savage verse, that came out of nowhere for me. The little the little baby verse came out of nowhere for me. And I like, I like what artists are doing with how when the album first comes out, they don't put the, they don't list the features on there. I like how they're doing that. I, I like because J. Cole did it. Uh, Vince Staples did it. Travis Scott did it. Um, someone else did it. Tyler, the creator, did it. I like how they're not putting I like how they don't put the features on the first day, but then the next day they add it on because I, after a while you it's like, come on, just put the name on it. Like we know it's on there, let them get their credit or whatever. But it, it's it's cool to kind of go into an album and not know what to expect. Cause like for me, my expectations were for there to be different production. I was expecting to hear different types of sounds, different beats from other people. I wasn't expecting any features on this at all. I was just like, J. Cole's going to do what J. Cole does. He's going to just come out here and rap the way he raps and you know go about his business, which is fine. But to hear uh, other voices on it kind of took this project to another level that I don't think it would have gone with just him. I do wonder what... And this is not anything about the quality of the work. It's just a question that I would like to ask Jay Cole. So what the thought was around the only two features on the album, rap features at least. Of course, you said, like you said, we hear Cameron, we hear Lil Jon. Uh, what the decision making around it being two niggas from Atlanta, like two young niggas from Atlanta. Him and 21 seem to have a very 
uh, tight knit relationship. This isn't the first time we've seen him in Twenty One. Seen him he in, the, in the documentary. Right, he's in the documentary. Cole featured on a lot. Um, he mentions he name drops Twenty One and Middle Childs. Like, so they seem to have a relationship. But I wonder what that connection was with Lil Baby. Like, how do you decide? Like, I'm gonna have two other voices that are not mine rapping on a song. I want them both to be from the same place, relatively around the same age. Um, I, I just wonder what that thought process was. I also agree. I do like when rappers or when artists in general really will leave the features off their songs, um, the names, the fe- named features off their songs. Because, I mean, I know I've done it. I've gone through an album's track list and been like, oh, da, 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 featuring Rihanna. I'm going to listen to that real quick because I love Rihanna. Da, 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 da. Featuring Nicki. Let me listen to that. That Nicki feature. Let me listen to this Drake feature. Um, so I appreciate that. But I mean, you know, I it, this is a, a worthy addition to what J. Cole already does. I think he's the first rapper with six number one albums. Um, and like I said, I'm interested to see what the offseason is leading up to. Like when we get another project from Cole, what is it? What does it sound like? And I want to listen. One day we'll go back and listen to if it's his last project. Go back and listen to Cole's entire discography and have this collection of this time capsule of who J. Cole was from the warm up to whatever retirement is for him. So my thoughts on it, um, it's pretty standard for what I expect from J. Cole. I thought it was a good project. It felt a little short, but, you know, it's. Me and South Breeze talked and, you know, definitely like the shorter albums. I also agree with what he said in the comments about no albums really do stick in this era. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, it came out, I ran it three times total. And then I actually just kind of forgot about it. Like I've just been just kind of exploring all sorts of rap lately. Just I did check out the Beam Me Up Scotty and the Seeing Green and um, I've been working my way through uh, Beyonce, like I promised. Um, so I've actually just kind of forgot about it. I know Hunger on Hillside is probably my favorite song on the album. Um, I still sometimes wish, I don't know, the production, it just doesn't be, it, it's just not great. It, it was it was okay. Um, it started out fire and then it kind of flamed out to be just a little bit. That's just my personal opinion. I'm, but, I'm glad someone else said it and I didn't have to say it. Yeah, it, it just it, it like look, man. I I wanted to read the article where it says he heard uh, Timberland on TikTok playing like a sample, and then whatever the Timberland sample was, he sampled it to make a beat on this album. And I forgot to even read what it was, but I'm like, bro, just go to Timberland. Like Timberland is yeah. a, a certified hitmaker. He's a better producer than you. Just go to him. Get get the idea together get it in there. Like, that's my only real complaint with J. Cole is on some of these albums, like even with King of Diamonds, like, or KOD. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm not mind. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you yeah, even on KOD, like, I felt like it was a really good album. It was different from For Your Eyes Only, and it was refreshing. But after a while, it kind of just sounded the same. Like, I was just like, okay, it's this is you making beats again. It kind of sounds the same. Uh, For Your Eyes Only as well. I thought the production was, the rapping's always on point. The production is always like, eh, it's okay. So I, I thought it was a good project. It's something that I will run back, definitely. 
Um, like I said, I love the length of it. Um, him and 21 Savage, to me, are the equivalent of Wayne and Drake, Drake and um, Drake and Future, like any of those types of collabs where typically if they're together, we know it's going to be fire. Future and Drake, they do got to miss, but, you know, typically they're on fire together. So it's always good to see them working together. I really hope that this isn't the last that we, not this, but the next project isn't the last we receive from him. But I have to be honest with you, uh, speaking back to what Southbreeze said, which I will post right here, uh, today I was kind of just thinking, like I was like just in the house chilling, and I started to think about like Jeezy and 0405, like that time. I know, Rev, you were, you know, probably a twinkle in your mother's eye or something like that. I was 90 years old. Oh, my God. Well, I know you oh. don't know what happened during that time. In the but fourth grade. Jesus. During that time, like, that lead up to that drop to 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 Thug Motivation 101, like he was just on these mixtapes. Everything he was touching was fire, and it was like I don't think I have can recall during that time till now, like ever seeing another album or an artist that's as highly anticipated. And it's like. A little baby, like he's putting out some dope stuff, and there's some other people that are working. But it's like, I wish that we can find an artist that is just, you know, really starting to cook it up and really catching flames, and then it's just going to be the summer of rapper X Y Z. Like that's what I'm really uh, banking on here soon. I, I, I hope that we get it. I'm not sure, but you know, with with J Cole, another good album, another good notch on your belt. You did what you had to do. I hope if you do do one more album, you know, get some top-notch producers in there. Give us give us a real classic and just walk off into the sunset. I mean, and, and to speak on how, like, the whole, like, build-up to an album, the stuff that I was saying as far as, like, him dropping a single documentary, and I forgot to mention he did that freestyle at uh, L.A. Oh, Leakers, yeah. which was had people going crazy. He did all these things within, like, a two-week span. That's a lot of things to put out for an album for people to almost, I don't want to say, well, I don't know if people have forgotten about it, but based on what y'all are saying, like people aren't talking about it on Twitter anymore. And it just came out a week ago. Like if this was 2008, he drops a single and you let that single cook for like a month, two months. And then you go up to the radio station leading up to the album and you do a freestyle. And then maybe, you know, a month or two after the album came out, you drop a documentary. And then maybe, you know, a month or two later, you do a pot. Like, there's a, it just time has been condensed. The internet just makes things. You have to do everything within your window. And your window is the week of your album because you got to get that number one album. You got to get that platinum album. So get as much attention on you as possible up until the lead up to get that number one album. And then after that, like, he hasn't done anything. Like, I don't know if there's another video coming out. I don't know if there's, you know, whatever coming out. But there, like, once your album comes out now, there's like, there's not much you can do outside of put out another video. You can't really, and, and I mean, you, you can work an album. Like, you can go out and do interviews and stuff like that. But it just doesn't seem like he he's not the kind of artist to go to Hot ninety seven and do a forty five minute interview. He's not going to the Breakfast Club. You know, he just did a, a podcast with Kevin Durant, but you know, maybe he does another video and that keeps it keeps people's attention. But 
I don't know. Maybe the I, effect, you know, and a little uh, a cold December night in 2013, Beyonce decided that she was going to drop an album and say nothing. Like she just was like, "Here's the link to this album I put on iTunes," and I think every ever since then, there was a a major shift in what an artist would do pre for as a rollout. So there were some artists who thought. Okay, if Beyonce dropped an album with literally no promo, Beyonce said nothing, just gave us self-titled. Um, so some artists are like, okay, I'm going to follow that model and I'm just going to give you music. And for some people it could have worked, but I do think that that fundamentally shifted how rollouts are looked at. I think if Beyonce had not done that, um, not that it was a bad thing that she did that, she's well within the fame status to be able to do that. But if that never happened, if self-titled was not dropped like that, if Lemonade wasn't dropped like that, um, the way that artists promote their music would be different. That's why it feels so different and why people will say like, dang, Doja Cat, you singing Say So again. But it's like, I mean, if you want to be honest, yes, that's how it used to be. <laughs> you hear Say So 46 times so that you can remember when Say So come on, that's Go back and Give me another stream. Don't listen to um, Hot Pink. So, I don't know. You know, J. Cole may not feel that he's at the level to where he needs to to push music, but I wish all artists would go back to doing, you know, the runs. I don't think you need to go to Breakfast Club. um, But, you know, I I would love to see more music promotion. And, you know, internet also is just, you know, episodes of television shows don't last past the day they come out. Insecure will have a, we'll drop an episode on a Sunday. We'll have a huge you know, Twitter discussion Sunday night through Monday afternoon, and then everybody's on to the next conversation. Yeah, by Tuesday, we're done. We're, yeah. We've come to the conclusion. But even if, you're, you, if you don't want to do an interview, like, just get on Instagram Live for, yeah. like, you know, 15 minutes here or there. Just go ahead and do something like that, which I, I think would be fine. But this the idea, like, there, I don't, I don't remember, like, what day of the week that Beyonce um, self-titled dropped, but, like, we're not we're not getting a, a surprise project on a non Friday, like yeah. it's just not happening. Everything everything new comes out on Friday. That's just what it is now. Because I don't know what rule change or what happened, but like I'd love for someone to do that to just be like, hey, I got this new, I got a project. I'm just gonna drop it right now. It's actually uh, Wednesday night, and it's coming out now. A fully album on a Wednesday not Friday, like everything else. Like, and I, and maybe they can't do it because there's, you know, rules for, you know, uh, if you want to get a number one, you have to drop in a certain window. But I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I'm not going to say anything. Oh, I've never said anything negative about J. Cole as an artist, but I will say uh, something about Bass. Like, is, is he not a rapper anymore? Is he just a singer now? Because you were on three songs and you didn't give out one verse. You didn't spit one line. You're just a background singer on Dreamville? Like, what are you doing over there? Dreamville has a weird thing on their roster where, like, Cole is the star. Um, and even when Cole will take a step back when he's not dropping music, I think that Dreamville kind of forgets about their other artists. Um, because, you know, Boss, you ain't seen him in a minute. But he's obviously a We got Omen. Omen dropped Elephant Eyes in, like, 2015? That even didn't even make it to streaming services. That was a mixtape. Damn. Yeah, it's really good too. That's where I first learned of Ari Lennox. She's on a song with him, and I was like, "Dang, I gotta know who that girl is." Um, but yeah, there's tons of artists on on Dreamville who like we don't hear from as much. 
Um, I wish they would promote their artists a little bit better. We might hear them on a compilation tape and then we don't hear from them no more. So um, I wish well, they would have a push from there. Yeah, I mean, even going back to like pushing songs and singles and stuff like that, like I feel like people are not really rushing an album from her, but like I feel like SZA should have already dropped an album at this point. Like she had um, Good Days. She had she had another song. What was her other song she put out? Good days uh, and the joint with the hit di- hit different. I was like, oh, that shit is that shit is out of here. That was a that's a beast of a song. So it's just like, mate, like TDE kind of has that same deal where it's just like, SZA is on fire right now, and 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 it was the same thing. Actually, it was the same thing with Cardi B. Like people were saying the same thing about her when Bodak Yellow was going crazy. They're like, why don't you just drop this album? You're on fire right now. Just go ahead and do it. But I don't know. I just and it's not like SZA's out here performing these songs that much. Like she's not out here uh, going to uh, Jimmy Fallon or whoever. She's not doing Saturday Night Live. She just puts these songs out that are great, and it's just like they cook for and they do what they're supposed to do. But it's just like, all right. So what is what is y'all's plan over there at TDE? Like, what are y'all doing? And it's I just I, I feel the same thing about same way about Dreamville. It's like. Why is JID smoking on Conway's project when he could be smoking for you mm-hmm. on Dreamville? Like, why is he not doing that here? Why is he not doing that for us? Why is Bass just doing background singing? Like, no, like push your artists, push these artists out here, man. Like, yeah. and I get, I get there's some, there's a, you know, individual drive you have to create, you have to do your own thing. But for J Cole specifically, you picked these people. You told us we didn't. We didn't go out there and sign Bass. We didn't go out there and pick out JID or Ari Lennox or any of these people. You told us. You introduced us to them. You told us that Earth Game was hot. So show it. Show us how hot they are. Let Bass get a verse on your album. He's on three songs. Give me a verse. Something. Yeah, justice for Dreamville. Justice for TDE because TDE really played. Like no disrespect to Isaiah Rashad, but. I was hoping it'd be SZA. <laughs> it, it should have been honestly. Like I, and that song was fine, but it's just like he's 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 like the fourth or fifth most important member of TDE. Like, why is why what why are we still waiting for SZA? SZA's on fire right now. Yeah, and, and and you know, like based on what she did on her last project, you know it's gonna be good. You know it's gonna be good. Just put it out. <laughs> if it's done, if it's not done, I get it. If it's not done, I'll take back everything that I said. But if you just got it and you're just like, all right, we're just going to hold this album. We're going to hold this heat until Schoolboy Q is done with it, what he's working on. So we can have a little plan thing. Go like, no. If Scissor's ready, drop that shit. Drop when you're ready. That's how. And that's why I'm not a record executive, I guess. Because I'm like, hey, your album's done. Single, single, video, album. <laughs> you're out. <laughs> Let's do this. Strike while the iron's hot, for sure. Every time. Um, and speaking of that, we'll stick to music. So there's a versus. Oh, here we go. <laughs> that is coming. And it's been long overdue. I know people wanted to see another matchup, which I never understood. First of all, I know you were younger during that time. So, Rev, I'll start with you before I fully transition. Okay, so a lot of people were clamoring for Bow Wow versus Romeo. 
do you what hits did Romeo have? Like other than the sample from A B C Cities is one, two, three. What what songs does he have? Do you know or uh Romeo has a song that I think is another Michael Jackson. So you know that trying to think of it, I it's that one song. He has a single from that whatever it's called. I don't I think it's called My Baby or something like that. Okay, yeah, my baby. That's the one I was talking yeah. about. So he has that one, and I think he maybe has one other song that might have been part of a soundtrack. And he's got the theme song to the Romeo show. Um, so other than that, I I think that we get a lot of Bow Wow and Romeo comparisons. One, because Bow Wow has had a little bit of time being corny on the internet. And so when you're corny on the internet, niggas forget, you know, who you who you used to be. That you had a co-sign from Snoop Dogg at like seven years old. So people forget. Um, but also Romeo and Bow Wow were pitted against each other because they were the same age. And they kind of looked the same to like smaller kids with braids. Um who both rapped, but anybody who was listening to the music back then already knew that it was Bow Wow. It never was Romeo. <laughs> okay, so what we ended up being blessed with, because I, I kind of felt that way. I thought Romeo may have a handful of hits, maybe. He has one hit, one single. Okay. <laughs> 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 so what we ended up getting was Bow Wow versus Soldier Boy, aka Big Draco, the inventor of the internet, the inventor of streaming services, the first person the inventor to use of Nintendo. Go ahead, I'm sorry. He's the first person to use StreamYard. First nigga to watch a movie on Netflix. Um, first post ever on Instagram. Like he's the first everything. He is the, yeah, I think first, he the first. The legend. He's the first person to go viral. I think. For sure. Yeah. Before viral was really a thing, it was really word of mouth. Like, y'all seen Soldier Boy? He got this dance on YouTube. <laughs> Didn't even know what YouTube was until Soldier Boy came into play. This is going to be an interesting battle. I, I I sat back and I thought about it, and I was like, you know what? At first, I was like, well, dang, Soldier Boy, he really has been cooking, I mean, off and on, not consistently, but three decades now. He, he popped off in 05, 06. He's 30 now. Returned in the teens. Returned again in the teens. And now he's back again in 21. And Bow Wow, when you really think about Bow Wow, he has a ton of hits. Like, I think the corny stuff does kind of rub off on the impact of a Bow Wow, but Bow Wow really is that dude. Like, no disrespect to Shad Moss. Like that dude has he he wouldn't be able to go against anybody, but for his section during his time, he could take on just about all of them at the same time. Like if it was him versus Romeo versus B2K versus Omarion versus uh it, he could anybody that popped off during that era, you could get 20 of their best. Versus his twenty, and I would like his chances to win against Soldier. Though it's gonna be interesting, so we'll start out with um, our resident young buck, Mrs. Rev. What are your thoughts on this battle? Uh, so I have thoughts on versus as a platform, and I have thoughts on the battle. So I would say my thoughts on the battle. Um, Soldier Boy versus Bow Wow. It's gonna be fun, and it's gonna be fun because it's gonna feel like middle school again. Uh, um, Soldier Boy has a ton of hits, and I'm wondering if you can, if 
hopefully he can play hits that he's produced because that opens up his catalog even more. Anything your name is on, you can play. So we you get you get itty bitty piggy, you, which is now on streaming services. So you can get itty bitty piggy. You can get uh, Soldier Boy has a song he produced um, Lil Wayne and Trina called Wowzers. It's a vulgar song, but I love it. Um, his his category itself, he's got Soldier Boy, uh, Crank That Soldier Boy, Kiss Me Through the Phone. Um, like you just played, she make it clap before we started. Um, let me look. Hold on, I had it pulled up. This man's got pretty boy swag. He got turn my swag on, which means that he maybe could play formation, which was sampled. He's got a writing credit on yeah. formation for that one line. Like, I was gonna say he, he could he could play hold up too. Yes. So I mean, <laughs> so okay. got some. No, he doesn't have a writing credit on formation. Formation, it's hold up. Yes. Um, so Soldier Boy's got quite the catalog. It's gonna be fun. Um, I'm wondering if they'll have them in the same room. Um, I think you have to. And they have a song together too. They have Marco Polo. So who gets to play Marco Polo? Yeah, they'll probably do like the Gucci and Jeezy and play it together at the end. But yeah, yeah I mean, if at first glance, I'm gonna say Soldier Boy has more songs that I actually continue to listen to. But it'll be fun for Bow Wow to pull out some of that older stuff and for us to take a walk down memory lane and be like, oh no, Bow Wow had hit. I don't know what his most recent hits look like, um, but Bow Wow from, you know, kindergarten up until about he was like 18, he had a steady run of hits. So, Mr. 106 Apart. They ain't, yeah. they ain't calling that for no reason. Because he was always there and I was a big Bow Wow fan for the music and I, you know, I thought I could get with Bow Wow. I would never do that now, but at the oh, time, wow. Bow Wow was Bow Wow was say, keep keep manifesting, but no, okay, no, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> We've moved on from Bow Wow. Aldis Hodge exists. I could never think that Bow Wow was attractive when Aldis Hodge just out here getting ready for Black Adam. Okay. <laughs> yeah, actually, I watched that video. I was like, Jesus Christ, man! That man is huge. How is that possible? <laughs> How do you get that big? Amazing. So. His, like his, this his whole like chest area is just like. Yes. Massive. I'm like, what the fuck? When man? I was a child, I did childish things. <laughs> <laughs> Starting to put those things away. <laughs> That's a grown man right there. I'll tell you what. But uh, I, mean, I I don't know, man. I just feel like uh, Soldier Boy as an artist is a little bit more relevant than uh, Bow Wow. And I think, uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I kind of want to say that the height of Soldier Boy is higher than what Bow Wow's was, but Bow Wow's lasted longer. But like when Soldier Boy was on, Soldier Boy was everywhere. Like like I said, Soldier Boy was the first person to go viral before going viral was a thing. Like everybody was trying to crank that. Like people like Tom Cruise did it. He was doing that. No 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 he was doing something else. But like you know what I'm saying? Like a lot of people were doing his dances. And he burst a whole like genre of dance. Everything was a crank that Crank that yeah. SpongeBob, crank that Batman, crank that whatever, whatever. There was a new crank that every week, and we learned every, every one of them. And I feel like he was one of the first first rappers when like ringtones started becoming a thing. Like, I, I, and I, people that are listening to this probably are like, "What the fuck are you guys talking about?" But like, there used to be a time where when you called someone on the phone, instead of it ringing, it would play a song until they picked up. And an artist got credit for that. Like they get like twenty five cents or something for for that every time someone called you. So instead of like just picking some random song, like 
rappers and artists would like make something super catchy that people would want to hear mm-hmm. when they called you. And like Soldier Boy was pretty much one of the first artists to be like, yo, I'm going to do something that people want to have as their ringback tone. He was one of those guys. He was one of the first ones to bring back like uh like the the dance um dancing and rap, which is kind of I feel like that should be a thing that happens a little bit more. Like it, it we've kind of gotten like I'm I'm not talking for me because I'm not a great dancer, but like the birth of rap, there was a lot of like break dancing and doing all these pop and locking and all that stuff when hip hop first started. And then it kind of we kind of got too cool for it. Like all the you know, you're you know, you're on the corner and your b-boy stance and you know, you know, in your Timberland, so you can't really dance like you want to. So we kind of got away from that. And then the South started making it more popular, which kind of made the East Coast kind of shit on it, which kind of uh, contributed to the death of New York rap, but whatever. But like down South, the whole dancing and snap rapping and whatever, like it was viewed as a negative, but it's like, that's the essence of what rap was and when it started. So it's like, why are we frowning upon the idea of like making rap songs that people can dance to? Like not, not like, damn, is he, is he, is he like, the original like TikTok guy is he a TikToker before TikTok was TikToking? Because like say, those dance would like those 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 dance kind of. Well, he's probably TikTok-y. got one of the most popular songs on TikTok right now with that "Make It Clap." I see that all the time. If Soldier Boy was making music, or I would say, um, let me not even move Soldier Boy from the era he was in. I'm gonna move TikTok backward. If TikTok was a thing when Crank That first started, it would only have made that song go larger. Because I'm telling you, on YouTube, there was an entire genre dedicated to people seeing the Crank That dance, either creating their own and doing it in their living room with their friends and uploading that to YouTube, or they would just do the dance itself and upload that to YouTube. And there are thousands of videos just like this so if soldier boy would have been given the platform that tiktok tiktokers have or that you know new music makers have to have that song completely like continuously play on a loop soldier boy would have been out of here a long time ago and that's not to say he isn't currently out of here but soldier boy would have been in a whole other stratosphere at this point i mean we can you could make the argument that if there was like a hip-hop rap hall of fame like soldier boy should be in there for his influence and impact like Absolutely. With, without without him, we don't have artists on you putting their stuff on YouTube trying to get discovered. Like Justin Bieber isn't a thing because he's not going to YouTube. Like he doesn't see Soldier Boy being successful on YouTube and doing crazy numbers and getting signed and uh you know being on TV now. Like like we said, doing the YouTube, the dancing, ringtones, going viral. Um, all these things that he has done, he's had a pretty big impact in his career. And it's just like you look at him and you just you feel like he's been in the game for a long time. And then you're just like, he's 30 years old and he he's not like he's not an old man. You know what I'm saying? Like he could literally have like he seems to be having a resurgence with this uh this TikTok uh ch- challenge or whatever it is. I haven't I, I, I haven't seen it, but I'm sure it's going crazy on TikTok. So. I'd also like to say that Soldier Boy was one of the first to make a very seamless transition from music to just overall personality. Like, I don't know if rappers, if we was caring about rappers' thoughts and feelings on things. Uh, at least I wasn't until Soldier Boy comes around and, you know, we get 
the iconic rants and the, the breakfast club moments and the, the story about <laughs> being in the like we get all these very fun moments and it just reminds you that not only is Soulja Boy, not only is DeAndre Cortez, not only is Big Draco like one of the pioneers in this genre, but he is also unequivocally hilarious. He's a great storyteller, whether these stories are true or not. <laughs> and he is really good at commanding attention. And we must give Soldier Boy his flowers. Yeah, it's, <laughs> people did view him as a joke. And it's like, nope, he's not. He's had no, a pretty solid career. <laughs> I mean, when you really think about it, um, while Marcus was talking, I started kind of thinking about the evolution of uh, rap. And to me, when you think of a soldier boy, you have to kind of almost think of him in the light of like an MC Hammer. MC Hammer is not going to be the best lyricist of all time. During his time and his heyday, he made music that made you want to get up and dance, that made you want to get up and have a good time and groove. And that's kind of what soldier boy has done. Like, I don't, he, he just, he, he will not go away. Like he, I kind of figured, cause I just got into TikTok and I kind of figured, I was like, man, Soldier Boy's probably gonna come up with something and I'm going to see him all over the place. And then sure enough, maybe about two weeks ago, that do, 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 do with the whistle and she make a clap, clap, clap. I'm like, okay, dang. And then you see all these women and he probably seen the, the, um, what was the one with Nelly? The um, my butt's getting big. The silhouette the challenge. The busted challenge. The busted challenge, and then there was the silhouette challenge too. And there's been other songs that have kind of popped. And then he released a song like this, takes off on its own. Got the single out. The women are dancing, and it's like, dang, here he is again. Like, and then strategically, you got this new song out. You got a, a very interesting battle. Like I. I would be, I was college when Soldier Boy came out. And I remember because I went to college in Mississippi and he's technically from Mississippi, went to this high school called South Panola. And I remember hearing about this dude named Soldier Boy. I didn't know how he looked or anything. And I remember seeing a lot of little kids doing the dance. Like everybody was obsessed with this dance. And then the, the video, like I would hear the song on the radio and then finally, like maybe four or five months in, the video dropped and it just, it was like a rocket ship. Everybody was doing the dance. Everybody was doing different versions of the crank that. And then he went on a run where everything he touched was must see. Like he had uh, your snap and roll. Uh, she got a donk. I can't think of all the songs. It's been a while. I didn't, you know, look it up beforehand. But he had like a four or five song streak on his first album where everything he was touching was taken off. None of it was as big as Crank That, but everything was a hit. Everybody was trying to do every dance he was doing. Uh, people, they had the glasses with the either the name on it or the Kanye West glasses. They had the, uh, the type of hoodies he had, super baggy jeans with the stuff that he would write on it, like everybody was trying to be soldier. And for him to have, I mean, you're 30 years old, you've been in the game for 14 years now. That's a lot of staying power. Like a lot of people, look at Lil Pump, you're in, you're out. Look at, you know, just a lot of different rappers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. 
you're in, you're out, and then the game chews you up and you're done. But it's like Soldier Boy just continues to put out catchy songs. You're right, Rev. He is probably one of the more entertaining people. Mm-hmm. And I look at it and I'm like, I wonder would we have plies if it wasn't for the things that Soldier does? Like Soldier goes on the Breakfast Club probably one of the most memorable and popular memes of the time. And definitely the episode was great. Um, he had a beef over the summer. Well, man, not the summer. He had a beef over the winter with uh, a wrestler by the name of Randy Orton. And I mean, I was just watching his rant on like, I think he was on Twitch or something. He was going off. Like, he was like, ain't no nigga wearing drawers going to tell me nothing. And blah, blah, blah. And he, was, he was just going in. I was just laughing so hard. And I'm just like, this dude is actually, some of the stuff seems a bit over the top. He's actually a really entertaining person. It's fun. It's so it much is. fun. <laughs> It is really fun, like hearing his stories and just I'm kind of glad that both of them are going to get their flowers because I feel like a lot of the times with Bow Wow and some of the antics he's pulled here, like I seen the him and well, I don't know what, what show this was where the girl was like, they go together. He's like, well, don't even go together. So he kind of killed her. But that might have been uh that might have been Rap City. It was like a verse. He was talking about, I think he might have been talking about Shorty from uh, 3LW, I think. That could have been it. And then I know he had the fake private jet and the fancy Ooh. car, and he was riding coach or first class. You know, he, he's done some cornball stuff. But give him his flowers now. Like, the, the dude was a one-of-a-kind talent. I will say this. If it was just straight up lyrics and rapping, Bow Wow has him killed as far as Soldier Boy. But both of them are going to have hits. We're going to have a good time. I might even grab some Jabos and a 4X white tee. Actually, I got a 4X jersey <laughs> in there still. And I'll probably throw on some, some white shades or something and see spaceships on Bankhead. And we're going to have a good time. I'm glad that we're able to see this now and really enjoy this. Like It's going to be a good time. Real quick. Versus, make this your last one for the year. No more. You've had too many. Too fast. I'm tired. For the year? I'm tired. Because I just feel like I'm going to try to make this quick. Versus started something that was really fun. It was unpredictable in terms of what you were going to get from the platform or just from the opportunity and from when you were going to get it. You might get a Versus on Monday and you might not see Versus no more for like four weeks and then it'll be some random nigga like T-Pain and Lil Jon. So I want, and the versus is they've tried, and I don't expect anything less from Timbaland and uh, Alicia Keys' husband. Um, (laughs) And I know they want to make this commercial, but it's like versus is hard to access. I don't know where the Triller app is. I'm not downloading another app to watch this. It's barely on Instagram. It starts really late. It's turned into this entire production, and I miss the days where it was just two niggas in their home studios uh, drinking brown liquor, saying random stuff, and being interactive. And I hope they get back to that. Back to what you were saying earlier, Marcus. Last one of the year, though. That seems rough, man, because the summer's right around the corner. The only reason I say last one of the year is because it's too much. Like, I'm not having fun anymore. (laughs) Yeah, didn't they have three in the past month? They've had two this month, right? It was Escape, and before that, it was the Isley Brothers for Easter weekend. 
The escape was for Mother's Day weekend. They had ready meth on 420. Yeah, it's like, and then there'll be like underground versus battles, like E40 and Too Short. I was like, I didn't even know that was happening. I randomly ran across it on Instagram. Like, I, I want them to make this make sense. And, and to me, I get where you're saying it because when they switched the trailer, like, because at first I can actually just go on iTunes and, yeah. or I maybe mean, Apple Music. And watch it there. I could just see it on uh, Instagram now. The promotion. It doesn't even like. I didn't. I didn't see anybody talking about um, really the Red Man and Method Man like that. Uh, when Raekwon and whichever one Wu Tang niggas went at each other, <laughs> and um, like I, like the, the SWV and Escape. I would have loved to see that one, but it wasn't enough promotion. I just forgot about it. Like. You know, and it, it's it's know. also not interactive. Like we'll have people in the comments that are like, "Oh, the score is four to two. because but, but it's like, how did you determine that? Who are you, random person, that can determine that the score is four to two? I don't understand why they don't use utilize their social media team on Twitter to do polls, have people vote in real time. Like yeah. there, there's a lot of things that are lacking on the versus side that don't they haven't made up for the way they think they have with these grand productions. I asked uh, South Breeze this a couple weeks ago, so I'll ask you, um, who is the, because uh, outside seems to be opening up now, and we're not sure how Versus is going to continue to keep people inside to watch these things. Mm-hmm. So at this point, who is, what is the floor for you? Like, who is the artist that's going to keep you from going outside. That's going to keep you inside to watch this. Like, not the not the high end ones. I'm talking about who's the the least famous person you'd have to see to be like, you know what? I'll stay I'll stay home and watch that. Least famous, since you have eliminated one of my options. Least yeah, because obviously, if, if it's Beyonce or something right. like, you'll stay for that. But if someone a little bit below that, hmm. That's a good question. And it's harder now because they've done, like you said, they've done a lot. So yeah, they have. The options aren't really, you know, they're not that great. You know what? If they did the three six bone thugs, I would love that. And I they didn't watch. do that. They, I thought they did. Oh, they didn't do that. Did no, they, they canceled it. Hmm. I think if they could maybe, uh, that's a good, good question. Of uh, my floor, Who's I would say B two K versus another boy band of the time. So maybe like pretty Ricky. maybe pretty Ricky. I don't know if people would be interested in like a B2K versus IMX because they didn't really come up, up along each, uh, alongside each other. Um, or maybe more of a, a Y2K girl band type thing. But honestly, I can't think of who my floor would be because I people that I think of, I don't know if they'd be interested or if they'd have an opponent. Like I'd love to see Miguel in a versus, but I don't know who Miguel would go against. So it, it's stuff like that. It was like I have Microsoft. a thought mine, but I don't know who. I got a good one for Miguel. Who? They're not in the same era, but Miguel Genuine would be pretty good to me. Oh, that'd be I fun. Like that. I could see that. Didn't you want Genuine to go? He did. He went though, right? Oh, I didn't think he did. Did he? I, see, we don't know because there's been forty six. I think running total. I think the I think Usher would keep me inside. I think if he did it, that I would think keep Usher's me. too big. Though. Also, Missy, if Missy would want it, and I, honestly, I don't want Missy going against each other. I want Missy just running through hits. Honestly, 
Yeah, okay, so like Missy, Missy and Friends with yeah, Genuine Missy, would be good. Missy versus Missy. Like, Missy, you pick 20 songs, and then Missy, you or uh, <laughs> Missy, you pick another 20. Just go back and forth with yourself. Yeah, I would love just a time, a two-hour slot with Missy where she plays a song and she's like, and then behind Super Duper Fly. Or here, here yes. I was when I was writing Hot Boy. Like, here, here's why I decided to do this in reverse. Like, right. And, and thought it would sound good. Like, maybe it was just like it was an accident. Like, I know Lil John said something about one of the beats that he did, that he was playing the beat. And while he was listening to it, he was like rocking in his chair and the squeaking noise happened. Oh, the, and the uh, person that beat. <laughs> yes, and the person that was in there was like, "Yo, that that squeaking thing in the beat, that shit's fire." And he's like, "Oh shit, let me go ahead and add that in there because that's just my chair. I just did that on accident. I was just listening. Like, I didn't. That's not part of the beat, but now it's going to be. But yeah, I I think uh, Usher Usher would keep me in the house. And the one thing I want them, I they need to figure out how to do this with artists that have passed away. Like, they, there needs to be a way for them to do a versus with Michael Jackson songs, like." I don't know who they would pick. Like, I, I don't want to, I don't think his brother should do it. Maybe like it's this hard. Like a, a producer that they maybe worked with or a writing partner or someone that like, even if it's just like an ensemble type thing, just like a, a cast of people who's worked with yeah. Michael Jackson and a group of people who's worked with Prince and they just kind of share these stories. Like those are, these are ideas that I think could push the platform forward. But I think they're very content with whatever this is now. Like, yeah. again, what y'all are sounding, as I've been saying, it sounds like I didn't catch the D'Angelo and Friends. And, but I kind of feel like that may be the concept that you guys are kind of talking about is maybe doing just a, it was him, you know, playing his music live, his set of friends. And if you did like Michael Jackson and Friends, just because Michael Jackson has way more than 20 hits. You bring either some of his family, maybe tell them don't be on here capping and <laughs> saying you did all this wild stuff, but uh, or bring people that are close to Prince or Morris Day in the Time and different stuff like that, um, or even with Missy, like Missy and or Timberland, they could do a this part Missy and Friends. She has touched so many different artists and has so many hits. Give them two hours, see it. Get the background. Those would all be good. Another one that would pique my interest, and they were in slightly different time frames. I would really like to see Jodeci and Drew Hill as well, because those are two bands that I really did like. Um, and, and Pretty Ricky. I know uh, Blue Boy or Blue Star or whatever just went to prison or going to prison or something. God damn. But yeah, he said he's going to get out and be like Gucci Man. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> but he's he's gonna do some time for something. But it would be good to kind of see them come back out as well. Like I, I didn't really appreciate them when they were out, but as I've gotten older, like I'm like, man, they had some, they had a lot of remakes. They had some hits, like. So I, I think it's a way that they can do it and make it better, but it shouldn't have went to Triller. Like, Triller is trash, and it does seem like it's the nails in the coffin for them. It's just like, why not YouTube? YouTube has a beautiful platform. It's it's a familiar interface. Like, if this is going to be television production level, like, as was BET busy, where they're not interested in buying the platform, like, I don't know. Triller, I'm, I'm never going to download Triller. Like, I don't want it. I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> so, I'll just miss <laughs> out. It's fine. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm not doing that. But I, I don't know how much these artists get paid to do this, or I don't even know if they do get paid to do it. But uh, I, I, I'm starting to get more on board with the uh, Missy and Friends idea for Versus. And I think if they're getting paid, like, all that money that you are going to give to Missy, Missy needs to give that to Beyonce. Because I think if Missy does that, I think she could get Beyonce to come out there to do a song or two. Like, I think Missy is the only the only person who's actually like, because she's been in the comments and she's talked about Versus, so we know that she watches it. She knows what it's about. So if she's able, to, if she signs up to do it, I think if anybody could do it, she would be the one that, that would be able to bring Beyonce out for it. Sing signs. Let's get signs. Let's get nothing out there for me. Come on. Let's put our heads together. <laughs> I feel like it's not that hard. Like, it's, I, I don't know. I, I, sometimes I'm... Remix. I, I just sometimes I wish I could just kind of be in the in the meeting rooms or in the the meetings when some of these decisions are getting made because it's just like are, is it is it way more complicated than I understand it because there's certain things I'm just like it shouldn't be that hard to do this seems pretty easy why why don't you just just do it it's, I'd what? offer Beyonce two million dollars for fifteen minutes she would break the app easily Triller if she was on Triller everyone would download Triller, she would shut it down. Like if, if they let the word get out that, hey, Missy's coming, she's going to have a couple songs from Beyonce on there. Or even, um, I know Destiny's Child, they had like a song produced by Timberland back in the day on one of their older albums. Even if it was just for that, like that would literally break Triller. Like it, it wouldn't it even would be crash. a game. I just think they versus as a whole needs to focus on um hitting moments like they don't we don't need a versus every month maybe we could get a versus at once a quarter like let's hit moments well, let's here, here we go activations on twitter stuff like that it's it's the nba playoffs right now there's yeah. pretty much a playoff game every night so maybe not we're not done for the rest of the year but until the nba playoffs are off let's take a break we're going to be done because i'm not now, i don't know when the this one coming up is coming but hopefully it's you know, mid June or something like that. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, because there's not a. I don't know if they have their schedule up already, but like I don't know who versus has coming down the line. But like I don't know if I'm willing to not watch a playoff game to watch a versus. Like, you you, you got Wiz Khalifa versus whoever. I'm watching the playoffs that day, so. Yeah, I, I'm not listening. I'm not sitting through two hours of Wiz Khalifa. No disrespect. <laughs> Yeah, there's not. I mean, I like I said, there's not a lot of artists that I'm sitting through two hours of, you know, staring at my phone or my computer when I could be watching the playoffs. So it's just like there's no shame in just being like, right, you know, what, we're going to sit out the summer until like, you know, August, try to get here before the NFL season starts and then try to take over Saturday nights, something Friday nights. I would say to them is at the very least, if you do nothing else, just start on time. That's the worst. <laughs> or, or or push the start time up. If you know you're gonna be an hour or two hours late, hey, we're starting at six. When Keisha <laughs> Cole showed up on my Instagram live feed one hour and 45 minutes after the start time, I said I'll never engage with this again. <laughs> this is the last time you'll see me here. And I meant that. <laughs> oh man. That's crazy. I just don't I don't know how they're gonna get the numbers back up because the they peaked at Monica and Brandy. 
they haven't hit those. They haven't come close to those numbers since. Even uh, Icy Brothers and Earthworm and Fire, they didn't even come close to that. I thought Gucci and Jeezy was the peak. That was when that before. No, I'm talking about actual numbers wise. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm trying. Yeah, like Brandy and uh, Monica, they did like over seven million. Mm. So, yeah. Well, we'll definitely see. Well, you know what? Speaking on, I mean, I know we're we're over two hours here. This is a one of Marcus's big things. So I just want to kind of <laughs> end it off with um, songs of the week. So Rev, what do you have for us as your song of the week? I have been listening to. You know what? I uh, was listening to Drive Slow um, off mm. of. Is it graduation um, or college dropout? But yeah, I something that or um, it's a late registration, yes. Um, yeah, I, I was listening what you mentioned, Paul Wall, and I saw Paul Wall, Paul Wall's verse from the music video, and I sat and listened to it, and I was like, this is one of the best verses I have ever heard in my life. So I've, I've had Drive Slow on, you know, really. I, it's just this. What, what, yeah, what what makes it? What makes you uh, think that? So one, I like Paul Wall, and I like Paul Wall because Paul Wall is a white rapper who is just himself. Like he's just Paul Wall from Houston, who also raps. And there is it doesn't feel like try hard. There are a ton of rappers that feel like they're trying hard. Macklemore feels like he's trying to rap. Uh, so at some points, Eminem feels like he's trying to rap. Um, you know, other white rappers, they feel logic feels like he is trying to rap. And Paul Wall just came and was like, hey, I'm the nigga from Houston and here I am. And here's my verse on Drive Slow. And it, the way it just, that beat, first of all, I think helps a lot of the verse, to be honest. But the way he kind of just writes the beat, it's like, it's one of those songs that like, I just want to go outside on a summer night and like drop the top and play Drive Slow. So. I'm make sure I listen to that tonight. So drive <laughs> slow. What do you have for us, Marcus? Um, so I'm gonna go with uh The Cool by Lupe Fiasco from his classic album, uh Food and Liquor. Mm -hmm. Uh the only reason I was listening to that is because I was on uh I don't know if you guys have done it, but this uh spaces on Twitter kinda kinda lit. I need kinda some lit. Huh? I seen you on it yesterday. It's kind. Of, it's it's not bad. I was like, you know what? I'm having a good time. So I'm like, uh, this isn't too bad. But there was a conversation being had about like uh, uh, J Cole being top five ever, and uh, uh, what you call it? Like I, when people start doing that kind of stuff, I kind of um, when you're listening to, to someone who is considered one of the greats, you kind of have to judge them at a higher level. And I was like, all right, well, let me go listen to old J. Cole. Let me listen to mixtape J. Cole. Let me listen to some of his peers. And now let me listen to some other, you know, this isn't a recent classic album, but let me go listen to some artists that are kind of comparable to him. And so I'll, I landed on Lupe Fiasco. And I was just like, I I didn't forget how great of an album this was, but it, it was refreshing to hear it again and just be like, wow, this is what a classic album is this is what a timeless piece of work is and it's just like you hear everybody calling everything a classic and you're just like 
Nah, man, that's not that's not a classic. Man. Thorough. Just like from top to bottom, it's like everything, and I just like I just think about like if like you think about a classic album, like an album that is like undeniable. Like if you're listening right now, having have a classic album in your head that you're thinking about, and now think of everything J Cole has ever done. Is it on that level of that album? Because it's probably not. That's no disrespect either. No disrespect. It's just what it is. Hmm. That, that's an interesting thought. Um, hmm. I'm just thinking because I really like 2014 Forest Hills Drive. But if I'm thinking classic, the first thing that pops up is probably The Chronic. You think J. Cole has an I'm not I'm not saying that does J. Cole have an album that's better than the Chronic. I'm just saying, does J. Cole have an album to where you can look at the Chronic and then look at this J. Cole album and be like, you know what, these two deserve to be in the same category as a classic? Probably not. I, I think some of his may be just a tick below. And but, see, and my but favorite one is probably Born Center anyway, but it's just a tad long. But there's but there, people, people view that as like a disrespect thing. Like, it's fine if an album is great. Like, J. Cole has a lot of great albums. Drake has a lot of great albums. That doesn't mean that because it's not a classic means it's shit. It's just great, but that's fine. Like, I also what? think that people don't know what classic means. And to me, classic goes back to the word you used earlier, timeless. Can I listen to this album in 10 years? And not know what era this album came from. Like, does the song, does the song still hit? It's hard. Like, Anti to me, if we want to talk recent albums, Anti to me is a classic album. I could have listened to Anti in 2016 and be like, this is a really good album. And then I'm gonna listen to it tomorrow in 2021 and be like, no, this is still a really good album. Like, classic we, albums to me age well. They transcend time. Age well though. That's the thing. That's that's what we're not letting albums do. We're not letting them age. Yes. It's not all. a classic two years later, guys. It's not a classic the next day. <laughs> <laughs> like people, like I listened to an interview on. Um, I know we're going hell along. Jesus Christ. Uh, on off a of rap genius, they were discussing J Cole's album, and they were discussing the album like that morning. Like they listened to it at midnight, and one of the guys was like, "Yeah, I listened to it twice, man. This is the album of the year." I was like, "What? We're midway through. You don't even know what albums are. Like, how did? How do you know that? You listened to it twice. It's it hasn't. You haven't listened to it, and and so you haven't. Like J Cole said on the album, like I I heard something. I wasn't feeling it. I went out. I lived some life. I gained some experiences, and I came back. Now I feel it more. You didn't have any of that. You didn't hear it outside. You didn't hear it in the car." You didn't hear it in the club. You didn't hear it in the gym. You ain't listened to it with your homeboys. You didn't listen to your with your significant other. You didn't listen to it while walking through the park at at night. You didn't listen to it on a nice summer day or on a winter's evening or anything. You just listened to it twice on your headphones at home, and you determined it to be the best album of the year within two hours. Like, no, man, we gotta let this stuff age and let it grow old, and then kind of come back to him like, hey. Like, we shouldn't. This is what I'm going to start doing. I'm not going to call anything a classic if it hasn't been out for at least three years. Yeah. If it came out within three years, I'm not having a conversation about it. I'm not. Because that's stupid. For me, like, I'm, I'm not talking about an album that came out two weeks ago. Hey, is this a classic? No, I'm not doing that. 
Yeah, because it's kind of hard to tell. And I know I'm speaking about what Rev Ryan said before I get into my favorites. Of course, if you follow the podcast, I challenge myself to listen to Anti. And Anti is an excellent album. Like it is, it I'd probably need to listen to it just a little bit more to define it as a classic, but I definitely have a few songs on it that I still listen to on the regular. And I know, you know, it wasn't one of the songs you guys recommended, but I absolutely, that Kiss It song, I absolutely love that song. That really sets the mood. She is going in on it. I like the Desperado. At first, when I, when you first recommended it, I was like, man, this is okay. But then it was like, the more and more I keep running it back, I'm like, man, that's kind of fire too. She has a lot of heat on it. It's a really good album. So, a great album and probably damn near a classic, if not a classic. Me, my song of the weeks. I'm going to pick two because you guys went old school, so I'm going to do old school. Um, So I'm going to go with Sure Thing by Miguel. Oh, um, hmm? I said fire. No, great song. Yeah, that, that is, but you know what? This is another one. I caught on to Miguel kind of late, so I had heard people singing the song, but I didn't know about it. And then I was on TikTok because I'd be on there just doing random stuff. And like somebody is like doing a voiceover over it. And I was like, wow, what they're saying is kind of cool. And I was like, let me type this in, even when the sun gonna shine, and all that. And I found the real song. I was like, man, this is a beautiful song. I really like this song. So I think I may have heard it once before, but I've really been listening to it a lot lately. So that's one of my songs of the week as far as RB. And then I'm going to go back to the wishing well. You guys know I'm from the South. I love hood shit. I be in my feelings a lot, too. So I'm going with Moneybag Yo off of Against This Pain. Love it here. I just love the song. I like the, the melody in it. It's a nice song. It's a cool song for the summer. You know, if you out here and you going through toxic stuff with your, with your woman or your man, you know, it's it's one of them songs. So I like it. Sounds great in the trunk. You guys know I got that boom. Um, I love it. And I have been, I told myself this year, I really wanted to find somebody new that I'm really interested in. And for me, it's been money bag. Yo, like anything he touches, I'm like, dang, man, I'm just really feeling it. Like, you know, I don't do the selling drug stuff, but you know, just every, like the, the music, the way he raps, <laughs> Uh, the way he, he can make fun of himself and stuff like that. He, he's a cool dude. I like his rap. And I, I have been really liking Lil Baby this year, too. So um, and I look forward to one more new artist. I've been uh, keeping a tab on some R&B stuff. And I'm hoping to find one more new artist to listen to. But you guys, any closing thoughts? We're at two hours and 21 minutes. I'm supposed to be up at 530 a.m. That's definitely <laughs> not going to happen closing thoughts do i have any um to my co-worker whose last day is tuesday as soon as you no longer work there you can call me and we can go on a date that's my closing thought wow she's shocked i'm not mad at that uh closing thought man i don't know man just just enjoy the game enjoy the games enjoy the playoffs Everything isn't, everybody doesn't hate your team. They don't hate your favorite player. Just enjoy your team. If your team wins, it's cool. If they lose, there's another game. That's that. That's it right there. You're starting to see a lot of people who like clearly don't watch basketball a lot because they're taking these, some, some fan bases are taking game one wins 
as to like mean something. When <laughs> <Science. it's> like, <laughs> like there's a, you got to win four of those things, not just the first game. This isn't March Madness. This isn't the NFL. This isn't football. You got to beat these teams more than one time. So like, just enjoy the win, but don't it. I'm not going to say it doesn't mean anything, but just because you win game one, doesn't mean that series is over. You got to win four of them. So let's just en- enjoy these series while they're going on. So just to close it out, I want to give a shout out to the Ox DJ. Um, y'all make sure uh, Memorial Day is coming up next weekend. Make sure you check her and um, that brand out as far as what they will be releasing as far as the Nacha Mama's uh, playlist. Um, shout out to South Breeze 706, the homie for always holding it down. He was unable to make it today. Um, I did talk to him. He's eating some peas and rice and oxtails. You fat ass. Um, definitely shout out to El Chapa. Uh, I don't know who that was that was cooking breakfast for you um, in your Instagram story, but you're living your best life, sis. Thank you. Shout out to all the people at DBNR. Um, Jeff, you know, and I'm surprised they ain't got her ass out the paint. She be tweeting kind of nasty, too. <laughs> but um, shout out to her. Shout out to all the boys and, and everybody from DBNR. Um, everybody's been holding us down since day one, four years strong in the game. Uh, definitely shout out to you, Rev Ron, for, um, you know, taking a little time out of your day, two hours and almost 30 minutes out of your day to keep us. <laughs> I say a little time. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's been a long time. And um, shout out to you, Marcus. You know, we, we hope that you, you know, win your trial. You're like a modern day OJ Simpson. You didn't do it. The glove.